Hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Silmarillion Film Project, featuring me once again. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> the crowd I'm, goes wild! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm 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 back after a, a brief absence due to just like just utter life, life. chaos. But yeah. uh, things are finally settling down. Most importantly, I have broadband internet at home again after like a two week gap. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. boy, you, you wouldn't, man. It's like you just have to tr- you know try living like your modern day to day life without uh, having access to broadband internet for a short period of time to understand how uh, how dependent you've become it's like living so, in the wilderness you know i mean it yeah. really is yeah <laughs> which you know it, it can be refreshing if you're like if you've planned for it and you have like you know you're like oh good i'm going to take a break from everything and not do anything but if it's like in the middle of when you're supposed to be doing stuff it, it's a little disruptive a little disruptive yeah Anyway, thankfully, that's all past. I've made it out of uh, Moria, you know, lost Gandalf along the way, but everything else is fine. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, so that anyway, should turn out fine uh, later on. Yeah, enough, enough about me. <laughs> I am joined, as always, by Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor, Trish Lambert, the Tolkien maven, and our topic today is going to be um, the uh, the traveling of the, the elfish ambassadors to uh, Valinor. I think we should have a song. Elves, 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 elves. elves. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah. We're 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 elves, back to elves. the back oh, to, back to the elves. And today is really you know going to be the time we're going to be really uh, introducing some of our main characters from uh, you know our really central characters from uh, for you know in in season two. We didn't uh, you know last time we didn't have any like necessarily any like big elf personalities kind of step forward so it's it's well, it's it's a big deal caliborn of course well there's caliborn <laughs> obviously who's a huge of character course. right i mean like yeah, what a larger than life big. figure is caliborn so significant absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah um uh uh yeah and uh chris graham i would just like to point out uh that if you keep doing that you will be banned from the net moot. You cannot quote that greatest adventure song from the Rankin Bass Hobbit <laughs> film without repercussions. Okay? Like, we just don't do that here. It's not okay. It's, it's just not okay. <laughs> Thus, one of the Tolkien professor's nerve triggers. <laughs> Sensitive I, spots. It's, it's so frustrating because, you know, like, I will some I will often say when people talk about the Rankin Bass film, I will often say, I love what they did with the music in there, and they will inevitably start singing that freaking theme song, <laughs> which is dreadful. Like it's not just not good. It's absolutely awful in 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 every single way. Um, and that's what everyone remembers, you know, from that, from that. It's like, no, I mean, everything except that is good in the film. Yeah. So that's why I am like particularly annoyed and frustrated about that, that song. That's what you, you, that's what you get for uh, telling people like, oh, that was good. I love that show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. So this time, oh, first of all, announcements. There's not much uh, brand new going on in the Signum world today, but just to kind of refresh your memory about things that have been going on lately and things that are coming up. Uh, last time I announced Midmoot, uh, and I wanted to just point out uh, that the registration link is live now on both pages. So if you go to the signumuniversity.org homepage, which is new and awesome, and you totally should do that. Um, if you just scroll down to the very, very bottom of the first page, you will see uh, an events thing and, and a link for uh, Midmoot, and the registration is on that page in two places. And if you, or if you go to the Mythgard.org page under events to the uh, the Midmoot page, which is at the top of that menu, and the registration link is there as well. So uh, once again, registration is now open. It's uh, Midmoot is expanded from a one day to a two day conference, so it's a whole weekend uh, of awesomeness at the University of Maryland on September 24th to 25th, right after Bilbo's birthday. Come celebrate Bilbo's birthday with us. And uh, the registration fee for the conference is only 30 bucks. It's, so it's 30 bucks for the whole weekend. Um, we are having the banquet, which is optional. We're not making that a, a, a you know, mandatory part of the thing. But if you do want to come to the banquet with us, that's an extra $50 to cover costs uh, for the banquet. Um, so it's $30 uh, uh, on its own, $80 with the banquet. Um, and again, that's September 24th, 25th at the University of Maryland near Washington, D.C. So... Ah, the script team has submitted an abstract. Excellent. Very good. Uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's great. I actually was, was wondering about that. Uh, Nick, I saw some talk. I, I saw your names come across, uh, uh, in, uh, on sort of, uh, backstage discussion from, uh, uh, among the Midmoot people. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if the Midmoot people understand the significance of those particular names. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm, awesome. Uh, I'm, I was glad to see your names come across. Um, so that's good. And um, so, yeah, so it should be great fun. There will be a whole bunch of film film people there, a great chance to, to, to meet people and hang out. Um, and the conference itself is a, really, is a really fun time. The other thing that I wanted to remind you of um, was that uh, the fall semester is approaching. We're now about four weeks away from the beginning of the fall semester at Signum. Um, and so now is really the perfect time, the absolutely perfect time to apply if you're thinking about uh, st- uh, doing our new our new certificate program or even joining us for the for the master's degree uh now would be the absolutely perfect time to to get yourself oriented and 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 get started in our program we've just kicked off our um uh we've just kicked off our our uh, uh advising program which i'm really excited about um so uh we're, you know we're we're you know, getting in touch with all of our students and uh and 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 doing advising and everything it's been it's it, it's been really cool. Uh, so, I would uh, I would uh, again just just remind you if you if you're thinking about our new certificate in Tolkien studies, which is like pretty much the 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 the, the coolest and geekiest degree you can possibly get. Um, True. You uh, you should uh, you should look at you can make an application for either one uh, and start with us in the fall. So I encourage you to go to the signum.org uh, site, look at our academics uh, 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 section, look at our different concentrations, and you can is it see... Signum, is it signum.org? Is that right? Signumuniversity.org, signum yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and uh, uh, yeah, so that so you can um, you can you, you can check out our our different concentrations and the different courses that we're going to be offering within those concentrations. So you can you can begin to see like the full cool, coolness of the program. So uh, I just encourage you to to check that out. There'll still be time a little bit later on, but uh, uh, but by the next time we have a session, we're going to be getting close to the beginning of the term. So those are my. And not exactly announcements, but reminders uh, for today. So, all right, um, let's uh, let's jump into discussion. As as usual, we have a lot of ground to cover here today. I want to start by going back to a couple things that we talked about last time, specifically to address some uh, uh, some some issues that were kind of being debated on the discussion forums from the things we discussed last time. Um, uh, First, there were some questions about the frame, um, and in, in particular, since uh, the, the one kind of conceptual question that was coming up, we were talking about Arwen and Celeborn having a, um, uh, um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, about about uh, about Arwen and Celeborn, you know, having their discussion and the, you know them meeting on Karen Emroth and having that be. Uh, be the frame. And the, the major concern that was expressed was if we have the two of them actually begin to, 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 to bring up and address Arwen's central concern, that is, you know, what is the, what is the real fate of elves and, and should they stay and fight the shadow or should they go over to elven home? Um, it seems a little too, too soon because like the issue of like within the frame, like inside the frame in our Silmarillion story, the whole question of the elves going over to Valinor hasn't even come up yet, you know, at, at the beginning, nay, even by the end of uh, episode one. Uh, so it would seem a little bit out of place to actually to actually address that there. Um, I think that that's a really good point. And I and I think this kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit last time of uh, wanting to kind of reveal things. And this was something I think, uh, Philip, if I'm remembering correctly, that you were talking uh, that you had suggested on the discussion boards before about um, having a, a, a sort of progressive reveal of things as we go through. We don't have to spill everything in the frame uh, at the very beginning. Um, and that this seems to me sort of a part of that discussion. I agree we don't have to kind of get down to brass tacks with Arwen. I mean, like the, in the very first episode, she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't have to be like, OK, here's the core of what's bothering me right here. Right. You know, let's 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 get at the heart of the matter. Um, they can start with, a, you know, I mean, really, we were discussing them as a setup um, uh, you know them standing on Karen Amroth, looking off at Dol Guldur and seeing the shadow in, on on the woods, and talking about the shadow always being there, and uh, uh, and and that was going to be prompting Celeborn to tell stories about Quivianen and, and the Dark Hunter, um, you know, and how even you know from the beginning the shadow has always been present. It can just be that, you know, it can just be like, yeah, you know, the shadow and 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 that, you know sucks and nobody likes the shadow i mean they can they they don't have to go much further than that um at the beginning um but of course we also have arwen being uncertain about you know her i mean she's going to be thinking about her mom we had talked about actually starting with a flashback to the uh to the the you know the taking of calabrian the 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 kidnapping of calabrian by the orcs um one thing that your discussion was making me think was actually maybe we should be a little bit more gradual about that. What if in the first episode we show um, 
the kidnapping of Calabrian and like this, you know, the slaying of many of her, of her, you know, escort. Um, but that's all we show. And then we just show Arwen like being sad and upset and distraught about it. And we can even leave the viewers sort of to, you know, to wonder like what happened to her? Was she just dragged off and killed? You know, like what unspeakable uh, torment mm-hmm. happened to her at, in the hands of the orcs? As indeed, that's pretty much the state. Everyone was in for a while, right? You know, like what Coebrians was dragged off by orcs. What unspeakable torments are happening to her right now? Um, and um, so, uh, so anyway, so yeah, I think, um, I think that that's, um, that's something we could reveal. So like we, we could not until the, uh, like episode two in the frame, could we, or even later, if we wanted to, we could do a flashback to her rescue um, by Eladon and Elro here, um, and and sort of show that the real problem that Arwen is having is not just that the shadow exists and these bad things happen to elves here in Middle Earth, um, but the whole going to Valinor thing. Because I, I do think that before we before we really established the whole idea of the elves going off to Valinor and finding their new home there, um, we're not going to be able to have the same. It's not going to like the question, the, the, or the, the choice of Calabrian uh, to go and of Elrond to send her off into the West in order to find uh, peace and rest and healing. It's not going to have the sort of the weight that it's going to have. I mean, remember, uh, you know, Peter Jackson basically suggested that going off into the West is a metaphor for death. Um, you know, I mean, like in that conversation that annoys me so much between Gandalf and Pippin in Minas Tirith, when he quotes the lines which are describing sailing off into the West, and he uses that, and Gandalf explicitly uses that to describe like what happens when you die, when he's talking to Pippin, and Pippin is afraid they're going to die in the battle. Um and basically, I think that that's an that's a kind of association that people are you know many people are going to have. If I mean, if we just showed Calabrian suffering and and everything, and them sending her off in a boat, uh, you know, I, it may well be that our audience is going to think that way. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, it's an unfortunate uh, imagery that Peter Jackson has uh, evoked and planted in people's brain. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I I mean I can get over it when I watch the film, but it's one of those things that like at the end of the day, it's one of my top three things that I get annoyed by most in the Lord of the Rings films is the fact mm-hmm. that like it's and 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 it's not just like in a in a purest sense, it's not just because it differs from the book, it's that it it's it misses the point in such a big way. And then Jackson himself tries to like, basically he tries to have the, have his cake and eat it too. Right. He tries to take the sailing off into the West as a metaphor for death and then have a literal sailing off into the West, which is not death later on. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, look, you already blew that man. I mean, like you already completely undermined the, the last scene and the gray havens, uh, you know, because of like screwing it up earlier on. And that's, that's, uh, you know, so like, so what, so now you're, you're leading everyone in your audience to think that Gandalf, Galadriel, Elrond, Frodo and Bilbo are dying. Like this is just, this is, this is their funeral that we're having at the, you know, at the, at the, at the gray havens. It just, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, um, Again, my objection there is not just that that it differs, but that it, it it is a thing which, within the frame of the films itself, 
becomes nonsensical uh, because of right. the choice that they make there. And that's 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 the thing that really irritates me about it. Um, anyway, so the point is we can't assume that 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 those terms are going to be clear to everybody. You know, that is like the what is at stake for Calabrian and going off into the West is not necessarily going to be transparent. And I, I the more I've thought about that, uh, you know, in, in response to this discussion on the discussion board, the more I've thought about that, the more it has seemed to me right that we should probably delay the entire issue of, oh, wait, actually, Calabrian isn't dead. Um, and she wasn't she wasn't killed by the orcs and she isn't even now dead. Um, she went off into the West to get healing. That's not going to make any sense, I think, until we get the elves into the West. We, we have to get at least the ambassadors into the West so that mm-hmm. we understand where that go. You know, basically, if we have elves go there and come back, <laughs> you know, with the ambassadors, um, then we've established the fact we've clearly established the fact that the West is not, you know, some kind of death metaphor. It's just it's a place. Right. And it's a great place. Uh, you know, it's a place of glory and healing and, and escape. Um, Do we have it be explained that way? I mean, I know we don't really like exposition, but I mean, is there good, you know, should we actually make sure there's like some kind of conversation? You know, you're always welcome. Y'all come back now, year. I mean, that kind <laughs> of, you know, you're welcome back. anytime. <laughs> 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 that would we'll be keep an the awesome light scene. on for you. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would be an awesome scene. When the three ambassadors are leaving and the Valar is standing by the shore, y'all waving, you know, yeah. But, y'all come back. Now. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a bit all made up for you. Anytime you can. Bring your friends now. You know, yeah. In case you guys haven't noticed, I'm the comic relief of the team. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's great. I, I, I actually, I hadn't even really thought. But of really, that, but it's true. I, I was thinking. I mean, do we assume that the the audience is going to get the fact that the ambassadors come back and it's like, oh, okay, people can come and go, or is there going to be some kind of a setup conversation so that when we talk later about Calabrian being to, into the West and the probably not just her, but also the fact that there's kind of like a diaspora going on at the point in time that Arwen and Kelborn are talking, right? Yes. Of elves yes. leaving Middle Earth. Um, I don't know, you know, may, I, maybe at this point in the season or somewhere in episodes two, three, when the guys are over in Valinor, this somehow gets explained. I don't know how that would be, frankly, without it being incredibly boring. Yeah. But anyway. Well, I mean, I do think we can have this kind of progressive revealing of like kind of coming down to the core issue for Arwen that can take several episodes to happen. Right. Right. So at the beginning in episode one, the issue, as far as the audience can tell, the, the issue is really just like, okay, her mom was kidnapped by orcs and that was really upsetting. And so here's Kel, Keleborn thought, and I, I, Already three times today, I've almost called him Keligorm because I'm <laughs> I, I'm th- I'm doing in the Lost Road class from Wednesday. Oh. You know, I'm I'm in the annals of Valinor and Balerion now, so I'm I'm i anyway. I I apologize. I I I'll try not to misspeak in that way. But anyway, um, yeah, don't conflate those guys. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Really, no kidding. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay, so um, uh, so basically. Kelborn responds by telling stories of how other people were kidnapped and made into orcs, which is even worse. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, but but again, basically, as far as the audience is concerned, the issue with Arwen in the frame is, you know, like her mom died or something and she's upset about that and so she's processing just merely the fact that like the shadow exists and this bad stuff happens and so Kelleborn 
Celeborn is contextualizing that, right? Um, right? But it doesn't have to be because I mean I think even with Arwen herself, you know this whole sort of the the psychological drama of Arwen in season two uh, in the frame is really her first kind of coming to understand what her main question is, and um, you know and what the what is the problem that she has and what is she going to you know how is she going to resolve it how is she going to do it so we so we can, it's okay for us to take a while to get there um and it's only i think it's got we've, we've got to wait until the debate season or the debate episode rather next episode episode 3 when the elves are deciding whether they stay in quivian or, or whether they go that seems like the perfect time for Arwen to finally come down to that, you know, to say like, well, look, this is really the problem. Like, do we like belong that. here or do we not? I like that political Freudian slip debate season. Debate season. Yeah, exactly. I noticed that. <laughs> I was going to let it pass. <laughs> I think with me, it's more of a, it's more of a slip. Cause I haven't been thinking much about politics at all. In fact, I've been more successfully, uh, avoiding thinking about this presidential election than any in my lifetime. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, <laughs> I, I, I went to a, into a cocoon about it about nine months ago. About nine months ago, it was clear this was not going to end well, and I was like, I, I, I'm out. I'm out. I, I, yep. can, I, I, I can only do myself harm by following what's going on right now. Right, I, I, right. It's, it's, yeah. Um, and I think I was so right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, no, yeah, I, I, with me, it's more of a slip that, like, I, I want to spend the whole season uh, on the debate. But anyway, um, let's uh, – so, okay. So, Arwen, um, this leads us then to the question – what should Arwen be if she's thinking about you know if she's just kind of upset about her mom and the existence of the shadow and we're introducing that whole you know sort of the the way that the elves have been confronting the shadow from the very beginning that segues us nicely into episode one. Um, how do we move Arwen's story along in order to bring us into episode two? Um, if the if episode two is essentially going to be the first exposure, the first real con, not the first contact. Of course, Orme shows up in episode one, but um, you know, the first, the first real connection between the Valar and the Eldar. Um, how does that connect with Arwen's story? What in Arwen's story or in her own sort of reactions and deliberations would sort of prompt that? Um... Well, it seems like you've got Celeborn, you know, with his eyewitness story. You've got the that whole issue of the Dark Hunter, the mistrust, what's shadow, what isn't shadow, how can you tell? I don't, you know, there's maybe something in there that would forward the conversation. Um, um, I'm just trying to think, you know, a part of me says, why would they be having this conversation now? And not? Well, I guess because of the shadow. I guess because do, of the return of the shadow. Do we bring in Goadriel for this one? Because, of course, on, on the one hand, Celeborn would be kind of an awkward guy to be the spokesperson for, like, the alternative to the shadow is the Valar, and you must, like join with the Valar and cleave to the Valar because he never did. He never made he never it to Valinor. Went. He's never yeah, been to Valinor himself. Um, so he's like not the greatest example of cleaving to the Valar. Galadriel well, obviously would have the Valinorian Maybe he represents the side that was, you know, didn't go and was wrong in the end. You know, I mean, in other words, so the two of them, I mean, I think maybe the two of them. Yeah. And in fact, in Celeborn and Galadriel relating what they relate, you begin to get that two sides that we're going to be showing. Mm-hmm. Right in mm-hmm. this 
I think it would be good. Now, we know that Kelborn, obviously, he's going to set off. He's going to be an elf of Doriath. So he's um, he's he's going to go, right? He's going to choose to leave Quivianen and to follow uh, uh, to follow Elway. But, but only after Elway's come back, though, Only right? after Elway's I mean, come he, back, absolutely. He could be doubtful at the, before. And I think he can even be kind of reluctant. Uh, I mean, right. the, the exact faction that Celeborn belonged to during uh, the season two narrative is of those who were left, but they abandoned it because they wanted to look for Elway. So like his, his own devotion to Elway, obviously, I mean, by his, the choice that he made is his, his relationship with Elway came first. Sorry. Exactly. Sorry. Sorry. Didn't mean that word. He's no. ruined that word for me. I love that word, and I. See, I'm not going to. I'm not going to 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 give into that. I'm going to continue. Oh, to good. Okay, so he trumped it. I, well, that's right. Okay, it's let's fine. do it. Declare good. your independence. Right. Um, <laughs> he, he, he. So yeah, exactly. No, it did. It it trumps his desire to go west. I mean, he he. he that's literally the choice he made, right? Um, do I stick with Elway? You know, do I continue looking for Elway, or do I just? just forget about him and go and he didn't go by the way that theme is rather interesting in a conversation with arwen isn't it it sure is why did you decide to stay what made you stay my yeah. love for elway made me you know what i'm saying a little exactly. foreshadow little exactly. food for thought for arwen well and love it basically the parallel that's going to happen like with 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 Arwen, right? Is 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 Elrond with her dad? Like, is 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 she gonna? Is, you know, is is she gonna? You know, her own love and her own attachment to her dad. So, what happens when the when it sort of comes around to her and she's got to choose? You know, in her case, she's not going to be presented with right. the same choice. It's not going to be Valinor no. or stay. Now, it is like with Aragorn, right? So, with Aragorn, you could say she's faced with a parallel decision, but with Arwen, her situation exactly. is more complicated, right? It's not yeah. just like. You know the friend and lord that I love who is remaining, or do I go? Um, right. But she's going to have one, you know, one guy that she loves who's staying, and one guy that she loves who's going, and and we'll she, never see again, ever. and we'll never see again. Exactly, we'll be we'll be we'll be permanently separated from, and she has to and she has to make that choice. Um, so yeah, I do think that as a kind of a, sort of a simpler slice of the of the situation that that uh, that Arwen is going to be facing I think is is uh, uh Celeborn's example uh can be but anyway so I think we should make Celeborn not too gung-ho like not anti Valar right. or anti Valinor but I think I think he's 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 cautious. very unenthusiastic yeah he follows cautious. Elway yeah. he he leaves Quivian yeah. with Elway but he doesn't he's right. he's not he he's, trusts his 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 leader keen, basically exactly yeah. this enables us to have him be of not exactly the voice of the Avari, but uh, the I mean he he he's meant to be our voice of the Dark Elves, right? He is our he is our he is our right. spokesperson for the Dark Elves, um, and therefore that that would having him actually be not just like oh, I'm so sorry I always missed the boat, right? Um, I mean, he can, ha- you know, Nick, there can be, I think, a level of longing in Celeborn. But remember, he drags his feet. This is the guy who stays in Rivendell after his wife. He doesn't even go with Galadriel. I think it's true to form. I mean, 
I think all the way through, we show that he's a very cautious. He takes a long time to make decisions. He lingers. And yes, is reluctant, clearly reluctant to leave Middle Earth. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say he was probably invited, right? Galadriel probably right. invited him to come when she left, right? Um, fact, they may have had an argument about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but he had to, but he stayed. He stayed. And, uh, you know, we like, can... all right, that's it. It's either me or Middle Earth right now. You decide. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, we can make an, and Nick, you, you're right. We can give him, I mean, I think that we can make his decision something like parallel to Kierden's decision, right? You know, to, yeah, he can yeah. stay as sort of caretaker, caretaker of care, care, whatever, care, care, care Yes, caretaker. He can stay as caretaker of not not of Middle Earth. That's now Aragorn, but like you know, sort of the last liaison with the uh, with the you know the elder elves, and uh, you know if Círdan is still there as the as the as you know the the the, the ferry boat you know uh, 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 captain. Um, you know, Celeborn is like the Sherpa who you know helps guide everybody over to. I mean, we can yeah, give him he a makes role. sure that the lights are off, that the exactly. covers are put, the furniture, doors exactly. are locked. You know, yeah. I mean, somebody. You know, we can make his role be useful. He doesn't have to be just like recalcitrant. You know, staying in Middle Earth with his arms folded and saying, "No, I'm just not going to go. I don't care." Like, we don't have to give him that attitude. It can be even. Uh, there can be even I think an it could element be love of, of Middle Earth. Yeah, I mean, there could be love of Middle Earth too for him, which I, actually then we'd see in Arwen. Yes, you know, uh, yeah, I would. I would think there would. I would think that that yeah. that would have to be a big part of it. Um, but but nevertheless, there's still the fact that he. So I I think we have Celeborn even within the frame within the narrative of of season two. I, I think we make him reluctant. Uh, yeah. To go. You know, side note here, we have a really interesting dynamic that we're putting together here, which is this very interesting look into family in the elves. Yes. You know, the the brothers, too. I was thinking about the brothers. So we have Elrond. We have the brothers. We have the mother who was traumatized and left. We have the grandparents. This is really interesting. And I think, you know, I don't think we have to, like, do a lot of spotlighting on it. I think it's going to come out naturally in this season especially. But it's really going to make Arwen's choice that much more significant. Yes. When she finally makes it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the great things. I mean, and we've, we've said this before, but it's one of the reasons I've become so increasingly excited about the Arwen frame of season two is mm-hmm. the way that it really sets, sets her up. And, and, and as you say, uh, establishes this whole, like the fact that Fun- Galadriel, functional family, it's a functional it's a, family. Exactly. It's a functional <laughs> family. We can see the relationships among yeah. them. Um, and it's, I mean, it's the kind of thing like in the Lord of the Rings, there is that one reference to the fact that Galadriel is, is Arwen's grandma, right? I mean, when she says to Aragorn, when she gives him the elf stone, Grammy. Yeah. Uh, when she, when she <laughs> gives, uh, uh, Aragorn the elf stone and say, and says, you know, I gave this to my daughter and she to hers, uh, you know, and right. now it comes to, like, that's like the only real explicit reference within the, the story of the Lord of the Rings to that, to that relationship. It's so it's the kind of thing that, you know, that slips past a lot of people when they're reading it. Um, and yeah. I remember when I, uh, uh, when I, you know, sort of worked this out and noticed, you know, like reading the appendices and really think, it, I remember when I was young, when I, it, it was like one of those kind of mind blowing things. I was like, Whoa, Galadriel is Arwen's grandmother. Wow. Um, 
In other words, it was not a like a, a native for me. It was never like a native element of the story. Thinking about those kinds of family relationships. See now, this I'm going to make a plug here. I mean, it could be a signum plug, I suppose. But I just think <laughs> this is the value of close reading because, truthfully, I am the kind of reader who who how many times have I read these books? Yeah, okay, you know, I don't really, so like, yeah, I get it. I know Arwen is Galadriel's granddaughter, but I don't think of the ramifications. I don't think, what does that actually mean? And close reading and taking the time to do that really allows you to think about that stuff. Yeah. So thank you, Professor Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. It's it it, it is and, and exactly. And I think that that's the benefit that we get that we'll get from this frame. And I agree with you. This idea of really spelling out, you know, making explicit the connections of, and just think about the the kind of impact that's going to have when it comes time to you know tell the lord of the rings story and or yeah. or like think about yeah. th- think about what this is going to mean for, like for the white council right um you know with the relationship between elrond and galadriel for instance right. you know I, right. and and we'll have so much background and context for that um you know thinking right. about their family relationships and 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 uh, i mean you know the um, establishing having some of this—it's one. It's, it's going to be one of the really, really cool things um, about later seasons. Is doing those later seasons, doing the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings story in the context, like with all of this history behind it, you know, and with all of the associations we'll have by the time, like and the, the characters that survive into the Lord of the Rings, we will have so many associations with them. I mean, like, with, you know, you, just imagine. The reaction of um, the audience, like an, uh, an audience members, you know, uh, grizzled and gray haired audience members who have followed <laughs> the film film uh, uh, <laughs> saga all the way through that point. When Gorfindel shows up, right, to rescue Frodo and right. like they're and they're going to be remembering this guy in the fall of Gond, you know, his heroism in the fall of Gondolin. It's not just like a distant story. The audience members will be so grizzled. We're probably going to have to have a little bit of flashback footage oh, yeah. just we're to remind them who the yeah. guy is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that guy That's right. Remember back, you know, in your early years when. Plus, you know... actually, you you understand that at some point this is way down the way. We're going to have to explain how the heck he's back in Middle Earth. But yeah, well, that's a that's a can we can kick way down the road at this point. Absolutely. Well, I have, I have an idea for that. There's that, there's that note that Tolkien wrote that hinted that Gorfindel might've arrived with the wizards. I'm thinking we go. Ah, there, right. Actually. Okay. Cause we're going to have to have the arrival of the Astari and that gives us an opportunity right. to have Gorfindel. That's show true. Up to have him go back. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Marie, Marie says previously on film film. Yeah. Except Marie, it'll be like <laughs> a decade ago on film film. Seasons ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, oh my goodness! But yeah, so you know, and the other thing I was thinking too. So, so I, I would love to see the twins pop in and out maybe during the frame in this episode. Not hugely, but you know, like we talked about, maybe that's the in the beginning of season episode one that could be the connection to Rivendell is that the twins leave to go see their sister. I mean, I think we should consider that kind of thing. So we're showing more family, and then later on down the line, Lord of the Rings time when Arwen goes back. No, not Lord of the Rings time earlier when she the, she's back to Rivendell and that's when she meets uh, Aragorn yeah, right yeah season five yeah is that right yeah um, we want to make sure that we're showing a really close uh, father-daughter bond too yes absolutely um, 
Absolutely. You know. Yeah, no, that's going to be the big, uh, that's going to be the big, season five is going to be really interesting for the frame, uh, because that is going to be the Aragorn and Arwen frame, which is the frame of the Baron and Luthien story. Um, And so that's going to be the first time we're really going to have like a split frame, basically, where we're going to be, because some of the frame episodes will be Arwen and Arwen's perspective and others will be Aragorn and Aragorn's perspective. So that'll be, that'll be really interesting. That'll be really cool. Um, but boy, um, I'm tempted to have the same actress play the two, but no, 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 let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, that is, I, 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 I wonder Something what we could consider that idea. We could make a note of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. yeah. I mean, goodness, it sure makes the like, art and, it would sure make Aragorn's Tenuviel Tenuviel moment really interesting, right? And the audience would totally get the parallel if, yeah. we, if we did that. They would totally get the parallel. Yeah, it would be pretty. It'd be pretty inescapable. Um, yeah. Anyway, okay. Sorry. Uh, let's. We're we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're thinking about we're season hearing, five yes. now. Uh, okay. Discipline. All right, because that's what we're all about. Film, it's like discipline and that's the watchword. That's yeah, absolutely the watchword. Yeah, we watch it. That's what we watch it. It's a word that we watch. <laughs> it's a word that we watch from a from a, from a distance. From a distance. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So uh, let me. Uh, two other things. Um, uh, we're sort of wandering all over the place here today. Two other things that were brought up that I want to, that I want to come to. We're talking about Kelborn's perspective. Um, several, uh, you know, several of you on the discussion boards were sort of reminding us that Kelborn is not a first generation elf. I think we make him a first generation elf. I mean, I think this is just a way, a one place that we deviate from what Tolkien actually said. My, pri- I have two primary arguments for this. Primary argument number one is that uh, again, I think that it's. Th- all right, all right, okay, three. Three arguments. Argument number one is that it, it, having a having an eyewitness there um, makes a lot. Of, I mean, I think it's going to make the story of Quivianen much more compelling if if Celeborn can tell it as a as an eyewitness, especially given the segue we were looking at into the action last time with the with uh, Arwen's concerns about the shadow and and her thinking about, of course, in her case, it would really be imagining what happened when her mom was kidnapped by the orcs even if we flash back and show that on screen and then Celeborn basically can immediately come in and be like, yes, I, I, uh, I, I, I understand. Right. I, I'm, 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 I, I, I've had something like that same experience. It was like that from the, from the beginning and he can speak to the beginning. So having him as, as an eyewitness, I think makes uh, the relationship between the frame and the story itself more powerful. The second reason I like having him there in Quivian and as an eyewitness is that, it gives him at least seniority over Galadriel. I think it's going to make Celeborn and Galadriel more like peers if we do that. Um, because Galadriel's not going to be born until Valinor. Um, so we're going to see, like, juvenile Galadriel later on in this season. And we're going to see her go. So she is going to, within the, inside the frame of season two, Galadriel is going to be one of the kids. She's going to be one of the younger generation, um, one of that like unruly teenage Noldor uh, 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 generation who rebel and leave Valinor. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Celeborn is going to be like old and wise in comparison. 
Um, so the fact that he is, so she is going to be more powerful. There's no way we're not going to, uh, we're, there's no way that we can fight the whole, like Goadriel is more awesome than Celeborn thing, nor do I think we should try, but having him at least have that kind of seniority, right? You know, the antiquity, she doesn't remember Quivienin, but he does, um, uh, is something I think that we can kind of get him to sort of, uh, bring him up to, uh, uh, closer anyway to her level. So that's my second reason why I want Caliborn to be at Quivienne. And my third reason is simply for the sake of efficiency. We have to acknowledge that if we in- tried to introduce as characters, the Silmarillion is confusing enough. We need to make sure that we are not going out of our way to introduce more complex. And I know Tolkien did. I know Tolkien did introduce more complexity. And I know that, you know, in his later years, in the in the latter volumes of the history of Middle Earth, we can read about all the thinking that he did to to add more detail, uh, which is awesome. And and Tolkien loves more detail and Tolkien fans love more detail. And I totally get that. But I think we've got to be careful when we're thinking about when you're thinking about adaptation, simply adding more detail and adding more characters and adding more complexity is not, I think, the right call. Um, And again, like the Silmarillion, the published Silmarillion is sufficiently complicated. And we all know that one of the biggest problems people have, uh, you know, first time readers of the Silmarillion have is just keeping all the characters straight. Who is which and who's related to whom? Um, So if we introduce new characters, like if we've got to give Celeborn, you know, a father and a grandfather among the Teleri, we're just adding and we're not even going to do anything with those characters later on. They're not, you know, they're not going to be our main characters. I think we need to stick with our main characters and not introduce other characters other than red shirts um, uh, and extras, you know, whom we don't even necessarily give the, uh, the names, the names of. Um, So, that's... I just have one problem with what you just said, which is, you said that when people first read the Silmarillion... that confusion extends beyond the first reading of the Silmarillion. Oh, okay, right, yeah, <laughs> At it, least does. Some of us. it does. It does. Um, Kidding, I'm teasing you. Well, so I mean, it is hard. I mean, I think it's hard every time I go back to look at it again to to you know like keep things straight. I mean, right. well, so, no, yeah. I agree with you. I want to argue with Marie here. But Marie, it's not adding complexity to add Celeborn to Quivian, and it's simplifying it. Because if we have the total cast of Elvish characters we're going to really use during the... So take just the... Forget about the Noldor and the, and the, and the Vanyar for now. Just think about the, the, the Teleri and the, and the Diaspora of the Teleri, right? You know, the, the, which is going to be happening in the first half of the season, right? We have a certain number of characters that we are planning to use, either because they're going to be important now or they're going to be important down the road, right? You know, we need, uh, we need Lenwe. We need Olway. We need Elway. We need Círdan. We need, uh, uh, we need Celeborn. Uh, we're going to want Mablung and Beleg. Later on, we're going to want Dairon. Right? Those are all the really, really important ones. We might want one of the, uh, somebody else with Lenway, right? Who's going to become the, you know, we, we might even want Denethor, basically, the leader of the Green Elves. That's nine already. That's nine to Larry that we're introducing. Um, if we... If we don't like, so say Celeborn is born later on. Say Celeborn is not at Quivienen. That means we've got to get him born and grown up sometime later 
in this season before we get to episode five. Um, we're not going to have time for that. And that means we're going to have to give him parents, which we're going to have to then introduce. And now we're, you know, we're and grandparents possibly. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's just, it's simple. It simplifies things greatly. Just have him there from the beginning, have, ha- have them all there from the beginning, have them take part in the debate. It gives us an opportunity through the debate to start familiarizing our viewers with these. Uh, if we can get them to remember nine to Larry, Boy, like what a victory that's going to be, right? If they can really like imagine imaginatively differentiate if these nine characters uh, from the Silmarillion um, have some kind of uh, uh, real like 3D full color uh, identities for people, we will have already done so much in helping people to to like wrap their brains around the Silmarillion. Um, so I, I also think he's the candidate for the live voice. You know, there is nobody else who goes back that far. And I do think it's in, it would be, it's interesting to the audience. It underscores the elves immortality angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so thematically there's some yes. things that really work about having Caliborn be that person, um, besides the simplification, which I'm totally behind. So I, I just think from a thematic standpoint, right. Because, you know, he's the only one. He's the only one of this whole family group that we're talking about here. Right. But Marie Kierden isn't in the frame. That's the point of of, of, of putting Celeborn there, is that it gives us the, the, the... I mean, think about the impact of that, right, in episode one. With Celeborn, like within the frame now, which we, you know, which, which, which is set near the end of the third age, and to have a voice within the frame who is like... Yeah, I was there. I, I remember that. I mean, we know that there are elves from Quivienne and who do survive, right? I mean, that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we want to, when we're introducing the elves and the elvish perspective to our viewers, one of the things we want them uh, to be conceptually confronting is their immortality. The fact that, like, they, they don't right. get old, you know, they don't, like, Kelborn, who looks like a reasonably, you know, vigorous guy, is like yeah, I was there at the very beginning. Like I can, I can, uh... and it's like jaws drop. What exactly? Right, that, that kind of, <laughs> and and like yeah, we could use a different. I mean, in theory, like it's not that like Kelleborn is the only one that we could do for that, but he's the one who fits within the frame, um, and. And if he's not, you know, and if in, in, you know, so, so yeah. And, and the other thing I would say is that the fact that he is not original, the fact that he has, you know, like a father and a grandfather, it's not essential to his story. I mean, he just like within thinking about like Celeborn's story as Tolkien wrote it and conceived it. And of course he changed it lots and lots of times. Um, But, but anyway, he, he, his relationship is not crucial. Like the, his presence at Doriath is is important, um, at least in one version of the story or several, a couple versions of the story. But he doesn't have himself like crucial. Like his dad never is never, never. His dad right. and his grandfather no family are never shooter, a big yeah. deal. Like the, 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 it gets you know Tolkien mentions the fact that he has them, um, but the fact that he has relations. Like again, you know, uh, like Finrod Felagund. Who his father and grandfather are, that's a big deal. It's a central part of the story, who he's related to. Who Celeborn's related to is never a part of the story, never a part of any of the story that Tolkien wrote. Therefore, we cut it. Because if it's not a central part of the story, we don't need it. And it's it's, it's a level of complexity that we can do without, and I think we should. Um, we I am should hoping that. that we get Kyrdan in a future frame somehow. You know, I would love to, like, return back to one of the originals, you know, at some point in the future, but... 
it would be an, I, I would maybe we can uh, maybe we could integrate that into the adventures of teenage Aragorn of, yeah, frame of, of you know, Aragorn, when he's traveling like, around yeah. we'll get a lot of Eldon yeah. and Elro here I would think in that frame and yeah, yeah. Uh, right. and they could meet various people while they're traveling um yeah uh you know who else I you would know, like I... to get into that frame Tom Bombadil but we'll see we'll see what comes <laughs> in you know it's, it's gotta uh, happen right in in defense of in, in, in defense of the the purists, um, these are the kind of changes that uh, that that sort of have these like downstream unintended consequences that infuriate purists, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm more just thinking like these are the kinds of changes that you make, and then later on you're talking to some person who's only watched the uh, only watched the screen adaptation and has just started reading the book or whatever, and it says, "Oh, I thought Celeborn was at Quivienen. What's going on there?" And you're right. just like, ah! "Right, right." Well, actually, in the published Silmarillion, you wouldn't know the difference you wouldn't because know the in the difference. published Silmarillion, uh, Celeborn's exact- heritage isn't even covered. Exactly, and that's exactly where I feel changes like this. I don't feel the slightest remorse about making for exactly that reason. Dave. Again, if we were to be like, hey, let's um let's make Mythros be there at Quivienen, like we'd have yes. some explaining to do, right? <laughs> I mean, like it would be, I mean, right. that, obviously, I mean that would make no sense at all. But that kind of nonsensical decision let's, is often made in adaptation. Let's put the Nazgul. Let's put the Nazgul in <laughs> exactly. Right. What if they come across <laughs> the cages where the Nazgul were put? Yeah, good good plan. Good plan. Then we get into the whole time travel thing, which now we're yeah. on Lost Road. So there we go. <laughs> exactly. It all it all oh, works. God. Um, Karina, I agree that Kierden is awesome, and we do need to have more Kierden. So, and I think that's something we can. Yes. Uh, I think that's he's the only that... bearded guy. You know, it's like if nothing else, it's like <laughs> exactly. how come you have a beard and nobody else does? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I okay. I have to confess <laughs> that I'm tempted. To introduce that as a running joke. Like, we probably shouldn't. But, like, it would be really funny to have, like, Kierden in at Quivian and, like, sporting stubble and everybody kind of looking at him. You know, he just has, like, the sort of rayfish unshaven look. Shadow. <laughs> yeah. Kierden's got the five. No one else has a beard. But Kierden has this, like, little, like... You know, sort of just rugged, unshaven look going on. Everyone's like looking out of the corner of their eyes at him. Like, yeah, what's going on with that guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh exactly. my goodness! No, I, I suppose there could be other bearded elves, and they get you know sw- taken by the, you know, by the bad guys. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Watchword. Watchword. Discipline. Absolutely. Discipline. Discipline. So, yes. Uh, one of the other All things the that elves get kidnapped by by <laughs> All the He's the last of the bearded elves. <laughs> now, now unraveled. We've now unraveled the origin of the orcs. That's <laughs> like I'm, I'm the last of my kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for some reason, Sauron profiles oh. for facial hair. That's that's the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um. Uh, okay. All right. Anyway, so the other issue that came up was the issue of 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 Huan uh, and whether he should be there sooner. Do I want to introduce him now, or whether he should be given as a puppy uh, to Kelagorm later on? I I actually really like having uh, full grown Huan there already. First of all, like waiting to have him be a puppy later on doesn't do us any good as far as his age is concerned because still centuries and centuries are going to be passing so if you've got an immortal dog you might as well have him be an immortal dog (laughs) um i agree there is something really touching i mean it would 
seeing you know Kelagorm have the 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 like puppy Huan and emphasizing their like the relationship that has the lasted the yeah. length you know the length of Huan's life will make Huan's decision to leave Kelagorm seem even more significant later on. So that is definitely something that I would be willing to think about for that. Like to me, that's a that's a good reason uh, to have Huan be a puppy. But at the same time, I also kind of like there. There's another. Um, there's another element, though, that we could use to solidify that relationship, and that's simply emphasizing Huan's choice, right? I mean, if Huan, um, if Huan is already, you know, a f- a full grown immortal dog, uh, you know, if if as a you know sort of the 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 immortal spirit that he is, he makes the conscious choice, like I shall, right. I shall adhere to, to Kelagorm. Like, if yeah. like, so, basically, if we yeah. if we have this adult Huan go to Kelag- to Kelagorm and be like, I choose you, right? Um, right. Then um, having then having the choice that he then is compelled to make down the road. Um, uh, it, it, I think then, then also can be can be more powerful. Yeah, and I mean that scene where he chooses Kelligram can be quite significant. You know, make it. So you wanna, do you also want to make? Do you want to make like, like make Kelligram like a kind of an actually a nice guy at that time too? Oh yeah, no, I think we should. I mean, it's one of the things we're not going to get there. We won't get there for. We can start getting there actually by in the second half of the season. I do want to make sure we don't have the Feanorians just be like a band of villains with black hats and twirly mustaches from the very beginning. I mean, like there should be thugs. Yeah, yeah, they're not just thugs. Well, okay, Caranthir is always a thug, but the rest of them aren't necessarily yeah. thugs. And Kelagorm, though he's really, yeah, I mean, I think in particular because it, the, the his relationship with Huan demands the fact that he's got to be a good guy. Huan would never have yeah. been with him and stayed right. with him if if Kelagorm were just party. a thug from the beginning. Yeah. Now, it, because well, the other thing that it's going to show is the effects of the uh, oath on them if they start out good. If they're already yes. thugs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is, you know. yeah. Yeah. It seems like it seems like it seems like this might be an opportunity. This this Huan scene could be an opportunity to like to set up a tragic fall. For yeah. At least Kelligorm of like maybe he's like, you know, Huan picks him because he is uh, gentle and friendly to to animals and noble or something like that. You know, and maybe we sort of hint at the fact that like. That, that this isn't just an arbitrary thing that who you know that there's something there's something genuinely valuable and good about Kelligorm. Yes. otherwise who right. wouldn't pick him and then yeah and then the 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 oath sort of sets you know sets up a tragic fall and kind of begins right. his corruption erosion yeah yeah, yeah. right now we are going to have to think which about which itself that. of course is a foreshadow of ring things to come exactly yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, and clearly one of the things we're going to have to do with it, there are too many of the Sons of Fanor for us to develop all of their characters. I mean, that's just not, we, yeah. we can't have like seven independent character arcs for all of them. We're just, we're not, we're not going to have the screen time for that. So we are going to have to choose a small number, three or four yeah. at the most of characters to, to be sort of the, the, um, the ones who kind of are the the stand-ins for the fans. Well, we can do like Jackson world. did and use off-screen content to flesh out their stories. You know, like the <laughs> dwarves. Look, you, you just know. need to watch the extended edition, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the extended edition um, of the, the Silver Project. Boy, is that a is that a is that a like a horrifying thought? 
to extend it more than we already are. Right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, and actually, I mean, I was being a little flippant with that, but to tell you the truth, I mean, I think there is maybe some off-camera development of all of the Sons of Feanor that needs to be done so that so that the actors understand their backstories, even if the audience doesn't, so that their yes. actions, you know, yes. they're... You know, like I was thinking about, was it... Um, oh, gosh. Which was the one that had the star hairdo, the dwarf? Um Oh, I can't remember which one he was. Ori? Nori? No. Nori. 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 Um, and, you know, we knew from having read the off-camera material that he was a thief, right. right? But if you think about it, I mean, he didn't really have a lot of camera time, but he totally acted consistently with that. Right, right. You know, like yeah. when all the spoons fell out of his, you know, and all that. Right. So, yeah, so, I mean, that needs to be done. But you're right, I think on camera, we're not, there's only a few going to actually be having much screen time. Yeah. yeah. I wonder... I mean, um, should we go one step further with the Sons of Feanor and just, like, remove some of them? Ooh, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Dave! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! <laughs> uh, uh, I... You're going to make certain listeners' heads I know, I was gonna explode. Maria's off, like, fanning herself somewhere now. Seriously. Well, it does. I mean, I mean, you know, it. This, this is an interesting <laughs> thought experiment, right? Like, Dave, I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is an interesting thought experiment, though, right? Like, if we're not going to bother to develop them, then then they really just serve to clutter up the screen if we're going to show them. You know, or or I don't know. Part of me is the weight of the oath. You know, you've got seven sons. Good heavens! That's the the uh, yes. I mean, the the idea. The, there are arguments in favor of that, uh, but the first thing, the primary thing that I'm thinking there is that we should not go into those because that's totally in like the next season, and we should probably yeah, actually yeah, talk right. about yeah, episode two. Um, so that's that was me still, at the I last second stopping the, uh, myself from engaging in this argument. Yeah, but I do think there I do are think arguments. The seven for brides for seven brothers. brothers dance thing for the seven sons is still good. Karita, I think, came up with that. So let's just remember that for next season. Okay. Yeah, we just have them color-coded like the, like the seven brothers in that film. <laughs> That's right. And the they wear. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. That's um, right. That'll be that'll be super simple. Um, okay. Anyway, so we're not making much rapid progress in this episode. So let's start talking about this in the episode. Okay. No. No. Hang on. We didn't. Even, we have, we've we've resolved literally nothing. We've been talking for almost an hour, and we've resolved literally nothing. Oh so okay. God. Okay. Okay. Accomplished zero. The frame. We've got to introduce Goadriel to the frame. Right, I so I think Goadriel comes because that would actually be really cool if you think about it. Uh, episode one, we get Kelleborn uh, and the the like the dark elf Quivian in perspective, and then in episode two, we get Arwen having a conversation with Goadriel, and we get the Valinorian perspective, right? And then in episode right. three, <clears throat> we get the debate, right? We we get the the you know right. the, the big conflict uh, between those who choose to go to Valinor and those who choose to stay. So then we have Ga- uh, uh, Goadriel and Kelleborn both. Uh, and, and they can be kind of representing, in a sense, the two sides of the, uh, um, right. uh, of 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 that. So 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 this so maybe Caliborn is not even in the frame for episode two. It's just Goadriel and Arwen, um, and uh, and you know so uh, you know Arwen can uh, she comes in and she's troubled and Goadriel's like, hey, what's wrong? And she's like, well, you know, thinking about the shadow, just talking to your husband. It was kind of a downer. And uh, and Goadriel's <laughs> like. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, like the you know the you know there is the light, right? So she she brings in the light and talks about you know Valinor and that's what that's what she remembers and that's sort of you know her framework, and um 
and so she tells Arwen about uh, about Valentine. So that's when uh, that's when uh, they. So she, yeah. So 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 her first story would be the story of the trip of the ambassadors. Them and now she's not a um, um, she's not going to be uh, a eyewitness, obviously, to the events here, but that's okay, because Celeborn wouldn't be either, because, you know, much of the events that we're showing right. are the stuff that happens with the ambassadors over across the sea, so... Um, uh, it's, it's actually her grandfather, though, right? That's... isn't... is that right? One of her grandfathers is the ambassador. Have I got that right? Yeah, Finway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finway. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Okay. Um... Uh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that's fine. Look at that. We're resolving things like nobody's business. Now I agree with the, (laughs) with the discussion board, uh, sentiment that we should, um, uh, we should show the debate of the Valar. Uh, I I think Marie, I think you put it really well on the discussion board. There are basically three really important moments where we do want to return to the Valar's the you know the Valar point of view, um, and those and and I think if we you know those moments are things that we can really um, I, we can establish as really cool um, sort of framing framing moments uh, in the whole season two story, the decision to invite the elves over at the beginning here, the trial of Melkor where he is unchained and released. And then the, uh, the basically the trial or the hearing (laughs) for, uh, for Fanor when he's, when he's, you know, condemned and banished. Um, uh, so yeah, I, 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 that, that, that works for me, Marie. And I think that could be deployed really, really well. Um, and we don't want, although we are within the elves point of view, I, I also would, be of the camp of people who says we spent a lot of time introducing the characters of the Valar in season one. We don't just want to be like, and now we don't care and you shouldn't either. Right. I mean, we do want people still to remember the Valar and still to care about that. So returning to that, I think would be good. So if we are going to show the debate of the Valar, what do we show? Um, Olmo is against it. Who's going to be for it? And for what reasons? How are we going to divide things among the Valar? Thinking about the characters of the Valar that we showed. I say Tolkas is super enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Of course. Tolkas should be the one who is arguing for whatever the wrong choice is, clearly. (laughs) Uh... And yes, Nick and Aule, I do really like that idea of bringing back in because Aule still wants learners, right? Um, and I think right. we should have because, of course, we're going to have to bring in the relationship between Aule and the Noldor, right? So he's really psyched about bringing in learners uh, uh, whom he can teach. Um, and it's you know it's it's really sort of interesting. I mean, when you think about it. Why should they bring the elves over? That is, like, the world is their oyster, right? Why don't they go over to them? You know, wh- why Why should the question be, do we bring them over to where we are in Valinor or not? Like, why is nobody saying, hey, everybody, I've got an idea. How about we move out of Valinor? What if, what if we all go and live in Middle-earth together? Or maybe we don't have a set-aside place, and we just, maybe we should not be like sequestering ourselves over here. Mm-hmm. Quite, mm-hmm. But that seems to be like the 
unexamined premise of the debate of the Valar, right? Um, and that, I think, is Olmo's whole thing, basically. Remember, Olmo is going to be the one who is not going to, who's going to, who's going to, you know, is always going to be keeping Middle-earth and its people in thought more than anyone else. Um, and, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, good, Marie. Exactly. The trees are going to be the things, the thing that, as it were, root them to Valinor. Right? They don't want to leave the trees, and the trees are there. Um, and the light and glory. And the argument, basically, that Olmo and others can make. Uh, you know, if we want others to join with Olmo, with uh, with Olmo on this, I would think the other one that would be like on the side of Olmo would be Yavanna. Because she is the other one who's most tied to Middle Earth, because she's got she's got all her peeps over there, right? She's got all the trees and all the animals uh, that she's still really attached to that are in Middle Earth. So she's not going to forget about them and leave them behind. Um, and uh, so she would be with with Olmo, but then again, she would be more torn than Olmo because she loves the trees, obviously. Um, yeah, exactly. Nick says, and then someone else brings up the two trees, and she caves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Tolkas is impetuously for bringing them over. Orome is enthusiastic about it. He's the one who's coming back and speaking uh, for it. Um, who else? Lorian, I would think, would be pro bringing them over. What's your rationale for that? My rationale for that is that Lorien is one of those who's geographically situated. You can tell on account of how his name is the same as the name of his place, right? He's called Lorien after the place where he lives. Um, and like, so basically he, he's... All right, fair point. His, his mentality is like, I have established this land of rest and peace over here. You know, this is my little domain. And I would love to welcome the elves over here. Yeah, I would. I would. I, I, he wants to. He 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 doesn't want to leave Lorien and go to Middle Earth, um, and he yeah. wants the elves to to be able to come over and like partake of the peace and restfulness that he can, um, uh, that that he can offer. Uh, so he would be for bringing them over. Um, what about um, Nick Palazzo asks? What about Orame? Orame. I think, like, I could see him, as Nick points out, he, you know, so he's been over there and seen sort of how bad things have been yes. um, for the elves. So he, he might be inclined to say, hey, we need to help him out and bring him over, get him out of that situation. Yeah. It's not safe. Yeah, they're in a bad neighborhood right now, and we need to, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We want to bring them over here to, to, the, to the nice gated compound that we live in over here. Um, and in fact, it's his eyewitness account that may very well turn, you know, be the tipping Yes. Yeah. I mean, he can oh, yeah. he he can tell them about. I mean, maybe that comes in very late in the debate. You know, maybe everyone else is just kind of debating it in the abstract. You know, they're debating the question ultimately that Arwen is going to come to is going to seize upon in the next episode frame in, in the episode three frame. They're bringing up the whole like where do the elves belong question. Do they belong over here with us or do they belong in Middle Earth? And then one or two people like Olmo can bring up the yeah. Well, that presupposes the question of where we belong, right? Um, but uh, but then Orame comes in at the end with, really, it's for their safety, right? They're, they're not safe in Middle-earth. We need to protect them. We need to care for them. We are the stewards and caretakers of the children of Iluvatar. That's our, prime, that's our, our first calling, right? It's got to be, as the powers of the world. So our first job is to keep them safe, so we need to bring them over. And that, I think, is the argument, then, that, that he's got a more, wins. He's got a more pragmatic stance. Yes, yes. 
Um, you, know, you can even have Orame arrive late to the debate, you know, out hunting and whatnot as he Well, does. no, he, he would have to start it, right? Because he's the one who's oh, coming he would back have to start from Orame. Yeah, so oh, okay. To, okay. But that's true. I mean, I do that's like I, do, I like that idea. But yeah, no, yeah, he would have to be he would have to be starting it. Um, okay. Uh, so, what do we think? Uh, Mandos is Mandos is going to be against. Or maybe not against Mandos doesn't really take a position, but Mandos sort of like makes some kind of comment that suggests that he knows this isn't going to go well. I think the only comment that Mandos makes is "so it is doomed." Oh yeah, right. Yeah. I'm wondering. I mean, have there been elves show up in Mandos yet? In the halls of Mandos, <laughs> and this is like I've already got some elves. <laughs> I don't yeah. know about you guys, but I, you know, I, I've already got right. me some some, I, some some friends. I've already and got elves. They're all going to come to me sooner or later, anyway. So I'm in no hurry. That's right. Uh, okay, maybe I just all am them, wondering but... about that. I mean, that that's one of those fraught questions about the you know orc project. You know, if they yeah. die, if they get taken and they get, you know. Do about they, the orcs they die, themselves, do they yeah. Do the orcs yeah. do do dead orcs go to Mandos? Yeah, that's that is one of the big <laughs> questions. Um, uh, not going to answer that now. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm so desperate. I think we should seriously, <laughs> studiously avoid that question just in general. I think, Gosh, we'll see, if there's it, a way we can do it. It's actually I don't even think it's that hard. Um, basically, nobody, nobody, uh, uh, um, like w- what happens in Mandos stays in Mandos. Okay, like that's the. <laughs> <laughs> that, except for Baron, except for Luthien and a couple. Exactly, others, I think that Luthien. And, and I here's my vote. Actually, my that vote, makes the that makes the Baron and Luthien story even more that that, that like increases its dramatic yes. impact. Right. I think that when Luthien goes to Mandos, that should be the first time we ever and the only time we ever see the inside of Mandos. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think that I think that Mandos. Um, Mandos himself, like m- m- the other Valar, don't know necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like ma- th- this is one of the things that Mandos has been sort of charged with. And like, if he tells Manway, maybe he tells Manway. But I think the others. Uh, th- I mean, I think having like most of the Valar actually legitimately clueless about what goes on in uh, um, yeah. in in Mandos. Um, Okay. Which also, you know, s- supports his being a man of uh, a Vala of very few words. Yes, very yeah. few words. Exactly. He's so it's he's. Uh, I mean, like he he kind of keeps secrets. That's sort of how things are supposed to go. Was it the Was it the halls of Mandos that we were talking about in sets last season about we having were, the tapestries yes. and, of uh, like future? Uh, Marie was know, just stuff. reminding me that we did have Manway visit Mandos well, in season one. It's okay. Maybe we we can get a glimpse. Um, but I'm I'm actually still thinking well, like it's but that's at a time when there's no residents there, so that's kind of a different thing anyway. It's kind of when exactly. it's first being established, and, and yeah. they can be hanging out in like chamber. exactly. It's like the living quarters, right? You know, uh, of right. Manway and Vire themselves. In fact, we could even set it up back in season one by having there be like you know locked doors and dark places where even Manway doesn't that's go. True. Uh, you That's know, true. and it's and it's within those, you know, so to actually see. I could totally see that where Manway walks up to you know they're walking down the corridor. Manway walks up to a door and he tries it and it's locked and he just looks over at Mandos and Mandos just looks at him. <laughs> right, right, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then Manway is <laughs> kind of, sitting there like just kind of gets a little uncomfortable and he kind of continues walking with Mandos, you know. Yes, as, as <laughs> like, Nick Nick Paul spends a couple he, moments. 
trying to like force it open, like yank it open. He's like tugging. <laughs> man, yeah. man, just stands there and looks at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The a huge and ominous door says Nick Palazzo. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. Um, Yep, yeah. So no, that's I, I think we can we can. So Mandos, I think, has got to be we, we can't ha- he can't even be a participant. I think he's not a participant. Mandos is more like the judge. I mean, remember, he's called the doomsman of the Valar. There's a sense in which he has this like quasi judicial role. Right. Where he just sort of like de- decrees the sentences and he he he, he doesn't he, he's not a counselor. He's not like, well, my opinion is this, but take it or leave it, right? I mean, you don't take or leave something that Mando says, right? When Mando says it, like, you know, it is doomed. Um, and, so, and it's Idris Elba, don't forget. That's who we've cast for it, Mando. Yeah, so that's right. He'll be, he'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think uh, I, I, I don't think we have him. So he's, he's always silent during the debates. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So, Manway and Varda. Um, okay, so we've got Aule 4, Lorian 4, bringing them over, Tolkas 4, bringing them over, Orome 4, bringing them over, Olmo against, Yavanna mostly against, but can be convinced. Um, Olmo's going to be the only one, I think, who like totally holds out and still says, like, this is a bad idea and y- y- y'all going to regret this. Um uh, but Manway and Varda, um, I think they've got to be four, or else it wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't happen, right? I mean, if man, if uh, and we don't want to make. We do have a. Remember, we were taking a risk in season one: the risk of making Manway look weak by having him be about mercy and lack of, you know, and harmony and lack of conflict and, you know, uh, weeping while deciding to go into battle and everything. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, I think that was a risk that was worth taking. And I think that that works really, really well in season one, but we don't want to have him waffling and being like, I don't know, what do you guys think? Like it's, you know, we can't have Manway be like that. Um, but I think you can have him um, sort of not necessarily participate in the debate right? and just be sort of the final arbiter who sort of after the debate dies down or maybe he quells it and then he issues the decision. Yes. Yeah, he would be making the decision. And, of course, it's the wrong decision. Um, Varda... Um, I think Nienna should be not a great participant in this debate. Nienna's going to have her moment in the spotlight where she makes the wrong call, and that's going to be at the release of Melkor. Um, so we don't want to make Nienna on the wrong side of every debate <laughs> that happens, or we're going to really undermine her character. Um, right. Uh so I, I would be fine for just not having Nienna be a, main, a major participant. But Var, we, we, we do have to give Varda an opinion. Maybe she... Let's have Varda... Let's have Varda endorse Orame's concern for their safety. Because she can say... I have heard the voices of... I have already heard the voices of elf children crying out in suffering. Um, mm-hmm. because she hears them 
And so her stance can be one of compassion for the elves. Because um, remember, not only how much how she hears how she hears them. I mean, this is Elbereth we're talking about. The special reverence of the Valar for Elbereth, you know, and for 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 Varda. Um, uh, yes, Nick. She heard the voices of millions of elves crying out in terror and suddenly silenced. That's that. That's exactly it. Um, the elves love her more than all the others, in part because her relationship with them starts with like love and compassion. Basically, she you know she's the one who she she's the one who after Orame voices his concerns about the danger of the neighborhood they're living in, she's the one who says, you know, we should protect them. You know, many of the, some of them are suffering. They are all in fear. Um, you know, so so she thinks they should they should bring them over for that reason. Because the thing is, again, like yes, the decision of Var- that the the Valar are making is the wrong call, but it's not like it's a wicked thing that they've done, right? I mean, they like we've shown with the Valar before, they're doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. And I think that with Varda, we can have sort of the rightest reasons, right? I mean, Aule's desire to have people to teach is great and everything and 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 sh- but at the end of the day it's a selfish desire right just the same selfish desire that led him to make the dwarves in the first place which was a wrong thing to have done um uh you know but varda's desire to do the wrong thing is sort of the best and and nicest uh of the reasons um yeah and then Manway decides, and he decides, and he goes with Varda. Because, I mean, there will be a queer majority. Do we want anyone else speaking up against it? we got Olmo and Yavanna we already mentioned. A- any other naysayers we would want to put in? We could, of course, take that opp- take this opportunity to give a line to one of the female Valar who never speaks, like Este. or Yeah, that seems like a good idea. Somebody else like that. Somebody, maybe somebody from somebody from yes, uh, um, um, like somebody from Mandos's camp, mm. who's who who whereas you know who sort of has kind of the same sort of same sort of kind of foresight about the problems that will arise, and whereas Mandos is sort of you know kind of typical sort of uh, like you know as you said uh, you know he'll just sort of say. Uh, that that it, that this is doomed to happen, um, but that somebody else sort of have a slightly different sort of interpretation of that foreknowledge, which is like I think this is a really bad idea, guys. Right. You know, actually, Marie suggests Orame's wife Vana. Uh, uh, that mm. that's a really interesting suggestion because, of course, Vana is like one of the least developed of all of the Valar characters. And it's also interesting because she's, she's the ever young. Isn't she the one that we cast as like a 14 year old girl or something? Um, Oh yeah. So it would be, it would be kind of cool to have her speak up and, um, and speak against it. Cause it would, it would, it would, I mean, I would think there would that it would be hard to avoid the audience having um, the sort of associate. It would it would look like she would look like a teenager speaking up in the middle of a council of, you know, elder and wiser people. But so it would be kind of interesting to have her be giving the perspective, which is actually the correct one. Um, yeah. And, and and for her to be coming in sort of, you know, speaking against her husband, not like, you know, bad mouthing him or something, but sort of 
urging a caution, you know, in contradict in contradiction to the perspective that that Orame brought in, I think is pretty cool. Okay, but well, anyway, that's sort of that's sort of a minor thing, anyway. Okay, so then they decide. Mando says, "So it is doomed," and Orame takes off and goes back. Now, the ambassadors, Ingwe, Elway, Finway. Um, first of all, one of the issues that the ambassadors raises is the whole question of leadership among the elves, um, and we have to. I mean, one of the thing, one of the questions that, in my mind, is sort of really a question to be asked here is. Uh, sort of which came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like that is to say, are the are the um, are the three ambassadors kings and lords of their people, and that's why they were chosen as ambassadors, or do they become kings and lords and leaders of their people after they return from Val because they were ambassadors, um, and they come back changed from uh, from Valinor and say, hey, you guys should all come with us, and they're like we're all coming with you and or you know some of them um and therefore they are the leaders after that do we want to establish them as leaders of like leaders of their clans because you see one of the things one of the challenges here this brings us right up against that classic problem that we're talking about with uh when we were talking about, you know, uh, arwen's angsty stage last time uh, the issue that we have to continue to remember is that um is that elves don't have the same perspective. Like we have to, one of the fun opportunities that we get in this season, especially is trying to introduce what is like, what is a culture made up of immortal people like, and what are ways in which it's different. And obviously like who is going to be your leader and what is your plan of succession for that leader is a major thing and has always been a major thing among human cultures. Right. But, Immortal cultures are going to be different. Um, the I was it's one thing I was thinking. We didn't talk about it on Wednesday, but it's one of the things that I was thinking about um, in when we were on in the Lost Road class on Wednesday when we were talking about the Annals of Beleriand, and we were looking at the very 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 short shrift that Tolkien gave to the duel between Fingolfin and and uh, uh, and and Morgoth in the in the Annals. Um, uh, Dave, he does the whole duel in three words. Morgoth slew Fingolfin. That's it. <laughs> he talks uh. about the madness and despair of... Uh, he used the word madness twice. And despair of... Uh, so he basically just makes it like, uh, you know, then Fingolfin went off his rocker and uh, uh, and did something really dumb and Morgoth killed him. Um, and they mourned for him after he was gone. Um uh, Jordan would would have hated that entry. Jordan, in the, in Jordan the, Brown, uh, Annals of Blair. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Brown would have had had had, had, had no truck with that. But um, but one of the you know I was asking the question, what does this annal emphasize? You know what? And one of the things that it clearly emphasizes is uh, the the transition of leadership to Fingway, like the the fact that that Fingolfin ceases to be High King and Fingway becomes High King. Um, or Fingen, rather, Fingway, wasn't it me? Fingen becomes, I'm thinking about Ingwe. Uh, uh, Fingen becomes High King. That's a big deal. But we, again, when you think about it in, in this context, you don't appoint an heir. Like, the very fact that you need to appoint heirs to the king, that's not even going to be an issue. The whole idea of, like, succession from father to son, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to slip into thinking, like, when we get to uh, Feanor and Fingolfin and Valinor, and the whole, like, whom does daddy love best... I immediately start thinking in terms of like 
medieval battles for succession, right? Like, no, I am the heir of my father. You like whenever whenever sons are fight, like whenever sons of a king are fighting, the inheritance is always an implied issue, right? Sometimes a very explicit issue. They wouldn't have been fighting over the inheritance of their father. The idea of inheritance is pre- presupposes death, right? Um, so they wouldn't even, it's, it's not even on their radar screen. By the time they get to Middle Earth and they're in the wars and lots of people are dying, it's got to become on their radar screen. But that's countercultural for them. Like, it's counterintuitive. They don't think in terms of succession. They have to learn. Their suffering will teach them to think about succession. Um, but they don't think about it that way. And even, so even leadership itself is not even necessarily that. So, like, the, 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 I mean, certainly the idea of like this person is our this person and his line will be king for it's just it's not the way they think. And we need to be we need to be careful there. Um, uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, what some of this stuff is stuff we can we can sort of think about. Um, we can kind of think about down the road. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, that is obviously we don't need to be thinking about the Fingolfin stuff and the Feanor stuff yet. Um, but when it comes to, 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 to leaders, do we want to have basically, is the situation at Quivian that we have these three clans, which already think of themselves as separate clans, each of which has their own leader. Um, and then those leaders come forward and volunteer to become ambassadors or not. I'm, I kind of think not like, think about it. Under what circumstances, do, if you have, when you have a group of people all living together, why do you need a leader? Like, what's the purpose of a king or a leader? Like, if they need leadership to protect themselves, right? Like somebody who is a leader. Like, if you're an, if you have a military, a leader is handy, right? Um, if there are like, are there community decisions that need to be made that would we could be best and most efficiently be, be made by an executive head I don't think Quiviannon would operate like that I don't think the individual clans would operate like that necessarily I mean they're still living in this sort of well I was going to say they're still living in this kind of Edenic existence over there where they don't have a lot of problems they don't have to have somebody organize the agriculture and that kind of thing I mean they're living a pretty quiet life. So it's just like the Garden of Eden, except there are people kidnapping them and making them into orcs. So apart from that, it's a lot like the Garden of Eden. Um, so I, I'm thinking if they have family clans, concerning which, do they? Really? Family clans? Like, how's the Anyway, whatever. If, assuming we have clans of the three clans of the elves, which I do think we have to have in place from the beginning, because if we don't, you know, we're not going to be able to explain the families later on. If we have the three family clans, I don't even know that they have clear-cut leaders. How would the leaders have emerged by this time? I, you know, I kind of like the idea of, um, of the ambassadors not having already been established as leaders and kind of being sort of almost maybe sort of like like reluctantly going over. I think over. they should be the most sucky uppy elves. <laughs> I mean, for sure. In, yeah. In Ingwe's case, for sure. You know. Yeah, oh, I guess they're whores. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. You're so awesome. Oh, my gosh. No, we, we, I guess, we can't. Yeah, I guess it, you do it know, differently, right? Like, you could is, have, like... <laughs> sorry, it's, it is going to be a, t- a constant temptation to resist making the Vanyar be really, like, 
suck up goody total goody. groupies. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, smarmy. Like, I don't want to look down on the vow, the Vanyar, and I want to make. Sh- I do want to try to retain the idea of the Vanyar being, you know, mythically awesome. Yeah, but it's 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 it's, it's going to be tempting. It's going to be kind of countercultural and. In, in a certain way. But I'm sorry, Dave, you were self-righteous as time, as time goes on. Well, see, that's you know, going to be uh, tricky. That's going to be tricky. I mean, we certainly can. Like, I would be perfectly willing to say that if they are inclined to a fault, self-righteousness is one of the faults they incline to. But we yeah. can't make the Vanyar as a group like that self-righteous group of tricks. Right. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, can't yeah. caricature the whole people. Um, yeah. But anyway, sorry, Dave, you were you were saying something else. Uh, yeah. I was just thinking. I I think you know, like I, I'm I'm enamored of the idea that these guys maybe go over reluctantly. They're like they're like you know, sort of like like the first few astronauts being sent into space. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know about this. Um, and I and which I think is consistent with the text, and and also that that there isn't a clear leadership, and that this is this illustrates sort of the consequences, both good and bad. Of going over to Valinor, that they come back, they're transformed in a way that's very positive, but they're also transformed in a way that sets them clearly above their peers and establishes them as leaders and sort of, you know, and that inspired, maybe inspired by um, um, the sort of the structure that they saw in Valinor, they come back and impose that, and it seems both good and bad. You know, that, right. that there, there's, some, there's a loss. There's a loss of sort of innocence. We can have it be a subtle parallel to the Astari. One is prideful. One is like, I should definitely go. <laughs> One doesn't really want to go, but the uh, rest of the elves says, no, no, you really should go. I don't now know what the third make one would be. I, I do like third that idea. I want to see what the trees look like. That would be the third one. Yeah. There's an interesting idea that, there, that, that you know, maybe the three of them are going for different reasons and under different conditions. But That would be interesting. Yeah. That would actually I, be I, I like this idea that, 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 that this is one of the – and they come back and they're transformed by their experience and this has consequences right. already Absolutely. without any of the other elves going over. Right. That this, by having gone over and taken this risk or whatever, they have established themselves as kings over their peers, which isn't necessarily, doesn't, you know, like, isn't necess- they're all good guys and whatever, but it's not necessarily clear this is a great thing. Like, the elves were sort of fine on the way things were and now they're going to have hierarchies and you know, governments right. and that kind right. of stuff. And then what we perceive with, um, with, uh, downstream with Finway and his, and his, you know, descendants is yes. some of the negative consequences of it. Yeah. And, Dave, and I th- you know, I uh, no, we should... I was just going to say, just to follow up that quick, I think it can happen really organically. I mean, again, I, I, I do also like the idea of them emerging as leaders. I want them not necessarily to be leaders. Well, and first of all, we don't have time to establish them as leaders. What are we going to show yeah, them? Yeah. How are we going to show them operating as leaders? Yeah, right. Um, so <laughs> I, I, better to have them all living this... I got the one! This, I got it! I yeah. got it! Okay, everybody line up! Okay! <laughs> The three people that want to go, step forward, and everybody Everyone steps, steps back. back. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, okay, because, um, but Damon, I was thinking that's going to happen organically because when they come back, they're going to come back and they're going to say, Valinor was awesome. We want to go back. Follow us, right? Let's go. 
Right. So and, and by so right. by necessity, they become leaders, right? Because now for the first time, they're going to say, "Follow me," right to the to the rest of right. their clans. Um, so having them, I mean that it, it, that makes them leaders, right? And one of the questions, it can be one of the things that comes up at the debate next time. You know, this like, you know, uh, who the heck do you think you are? Yeah, who do you think you are? You're not the boss of me. Yeah, right, right, exactly. exactly. And that and and that tension with Dave, as you were saying, that like you're giving yourself airs now, you're putting yourself over us. You know, that's right. Um, that 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 can definitely be something that comes up at the debate next time. Um. um one of the things that I think we should make a note of for sort of cast, not casting, but sets and costumes or whatever is later, is how are we going to make them look different when they come back? Yes. Because having seen the light of the trees, you know, how subtle do we want that to be? How overt do we, you know, so anyway, that's for a later discussion, but oh, I just want to make that point. We'll really use dumb special look. effects to make them glow. Make them glow. Yeah, their faces need to shine <laughs> like flashlights. They'll have glitter. Yeah. They'll have glitter. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Litter. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be super easy to represent. Have an aura them. around them, right? There'll be like an yes. aura. They yeah, have hail. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I hail. glowing again? That's so embarrassing. I yeah. Uh, I, like I, I, was... I really I like I like Nick Palazzo's suggestion of having ironically having Elway be like the most gung ho about going. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree. I, be... I think he he yeah. should be the one who loves Valinor most. Of all of them. So, okay. So that, that, that yeah. gets us then into the, into the personality of the three. Ingwe is the easiest of the three, I think. He goes out of love for Oromeo. He is the one who is drawn. Remember, one of the, the, the big question in episode one is you've got like, you've got hunters and then you've got hunters, right? So you've, you've, you've got the dark hunter and then you've got Orome. And the real question is, are we going to accept the idea that this is, you know, how do they respond to him? Um, Ingwe is going to is going to be the one who is drawn to Orame. Like he loves Orame. He re, he loves and reveres Orame. He perceives as, you know more clearly than anybody else. Like to him, it's a complete no brainer. Like how could you possibly mistake this guy for the for the enemy? Right? Um, can't you tell that this is not you know the dark hunter who has been waylaying people in the woods? Is it not perfectly obvious? Um, you know that this that you know this guy in front of us this god who has just appeared among us is is you know good and kind and virtuous and yes he's like intimidating and he's awesome um but um i get literally uh etymologically awesome um but uh but clearly he's the one who deserves you know he deserves our reverence and our obedience and that's his reaction so he's just like he's all about like yes i want to go with you i'd go anywhere you told me to go and i want to like get to know you and and what there are others yeah i totally want to meet them right so he's focused on the valar and devotion to the valar that's the that's the that i think is the um is the the vanyar perspective from the start basically it's what's going to separate the vanyar eventually down the road is their devotion and attachment and reverence um and the closer relationship that they have with the valar personally whereas the other elves keep more to themselves even though they interact with the valar um so so ingwe i i I feel like ingwe's reaction is the easiest one elway what motivates him initially curiosity maybe Um, I, it's like Dave said, you know, maybe he's like an enthusiastic guy. To, maybe he's an explorer type anyway, you know? Yeah, see, he this may is, very well be the one who's gone further afield than most people. Yes, most he can be else. a traveler as well. Because, see, I'm thinking, remember, uh, uh, he's the one who travels more. Like, this is, 
uh, he's the one who like pokes into dark corners. That's how he finds his wife eventually, right? Uh, being off on his own. <laughs> now I know he's traveling between like the camp of the Teleri and the camp of the Noldor when he meets her. Um, but still, he's the traveler, right? Nobody else does that. Um, and so yeah, ha- have having him. Uh, having him go off on his own, have him be the explorer. Exploring could be his main thing. Like, that's what he really loves. He's not... Um, so there could be almost a kind of restlessness with Elway um, that he doesn't want to just stay at Quivienne. And one of the arguments he can be making in uh, in the debate in the next in the next episode is that like you know, the world is much wider. Like, why would we just stay here at Quivienne? Um uh, anyway, so he, 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 so he would love, so curiosity, you know, this sort of, uh, this desire for adventure, exploration and curiosity would drive Elway and he would come. Now, Finway is to me the hardest one, uh, because Finway is, um, we talked about Finway being kind of weak and it's hard not to look at Finway as a, as a relatively weak leader. I mean, the whole, like... I'm going to abdicate and go live with my banished son. I always have a hard time forgiving Finway for that. I mean, the lack of leadership that he shows and the whole like Finway and Fingolfin are arguing. And here is like their living father who is actually the king doing nothing. Right. You know, exerting no having not even any say into the question. Right. And then siding with fan or anyway, like I've always kind of felt that Finway was a wuss and it's okay for Finway to be a bit of a wuss. But um even though, like, I'm gonna stay here while Fanor goes back to, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna stay in Formanos while Fanor goes back, and so there's this like big thing, the reconciliation of my sons. But I'm not even gonna attend. I'm just sitting here for like, no, I just, yeah. I mean, I, I've always found Finway very weak, but we can't make him too weak. Um, it's tempting. Yeah, see, Nick, I was thinking the same thing. It is tempting to have Finway just he's Elway's friend, so he's just like Elway's tag along, right? That's. Um, that's entirely possible that we can do it that way. If he, if so, like uh, if if like Finway is basically Elway's plus one, but I don't want to make Fin. I think we can go too far in making Finway really weak and insipid. I mean, we Should have, have Muriel tell him to go. Muriel tells him to go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, um, but you know, also though, um, you know, what kind of character is it that leads it to him to be the only elf we know of that is in a second marriage? In other words, what yes. I mean by that, and somebody in the forum mentioned this too, you know, that he's like needs to have somebody. He needs he's codependent, like, right. first, first it's Elway, yeah, then it's, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. So, I do wonder, uh, so I wonder if one way you can present him as being more assertive and strong is maybe he can be sort of the most reluctant to go. Um, and, and, you know, he, 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 he goes along ultimately, but he doesn't appear as, he's not going because he's weak, um, but rather he goes because he, you know, like, he's, he's not too sure about this and he wants to make sure that somebody, there's somebody going along who, to keep an eye on things. Yeah, Marie actually says, Finway could be concerned about Ingwe not speaking for all the elves and wants to see it for himself. Mm -hmm. Well, I wonder, you know... Uh, maybe we can set set up sort of a Finway's not too sure about the Valar type thing, right. which could down, yeah. yeah, which in the future could explain sort yes. of some of his intransigence and mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. and his defiance. Yes, it would yeah. be good among if among the three we have somebody who basically represents the reluctant party. 
you know. Yeah. Um, a skeptical which, one, like, like exactly. Marie says. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and I agree that f- that very well fits with Chris. what um, um, with what we will see from Finway um, mm-hmm. in the future. <laughs> Unless we want to add stay. like a like a fourth guy who like doesn't make it back. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we want to make a red shirt ambassador. Yeah, <laughs> just, it, the three of them come back, and everyone's like, "Hey, where's where, where Bob go? Oh. Where did Bobway go? Where's Bobway? Bobway. Bob <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Elmo. Both Nick and Robert at the same time says we finally have a role for Elmo. Away, yeah. in way, in yeah. way, and Elmo. And, Elmo's, and then they come back and say, "We shall never speak of Elmo again." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elmo's name shall not be uttered ever again. You don't want to know what happened to Elmo. The Bobway. I'm 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 a big fan of Bobway. <laughs> anyway, okay, okay. No, never mind. We we got we get focused and disciplined. So, um, the other thing about Finway that I think that we could do, um, I don't know how we can necessarily make this work in, in uh, at the beginning, but it could kind of come in. I, I, we can make, I mean, he's the king of the, he's the, the high king of the Noldor. I mean, we can make him a craftsman, you know, his desire to learn um, can also be a motivation for him. And maybe that's the thing that kind of, so he's skeptical and uneasy, but he decides to go over just to like, basically see what it's all about. Ingwe's obviously a zealot, uh, you know, in, in right. his mind. And he does, so he doesn't trust Ingwe. Elway's his close friend, but he knows his friend Elway's kind of flighty. Right, you know, and right, and, and right. always, uh, you know, easily distracted, easily distracted, herring around <laughs> after this and that, uh, right. I, and I'm 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 absolutely loving the mental juxtaposition I'm doing of all these things with Elway and like Thingol as he will be later has, on. Has a tendency to get lost easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so um, I, I, um, so 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 if at first he like comes to be the the you know like he's the serious voice in the party. You know, he's going to be the one who's doing uh you know a, a, a careful examination. Um, but the thing that can attract him most is Aule. And because he, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that like, F- like Feanor in his craftsmanship <laughs> takes after his dad. Uh, notice that we don't get, um, notice that we don't get, I know there are lots of people making jokes I'm, about Bob. I'm uh, laughing at the comments. Yes, I know you are. Bobway Bob from here on in will be our figwit. <laughs> right. Chris yeah. Graham says, and John Lambert's like, Appendix A, the story of Bob the Elf, the lost elf. <laughs> the lost Bob elf, the lost yes. Elf. The legend of Bobway. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll we'll have a whole spinoff series. I'm uh, with you know, Bobway. The Bob Lost Way Chronicles lives. of Bobway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> so, okay, so I gotta remember to mic my mute my mic when I'm reading comments. Finway goes over, and uh, and and he meets Al. Like basically, again, like notice that with neither. Uh, uh, with neither Finar, uh, fin, uh, uh, Fingolfin nor Finarfin, do we get any emphasis on their craftsmanship? You know, on their on their making stuff. It's, it's a it's a general Noldor thing. But of course, of the three brothers, Feanor seems to have like the corner of the market on being a sub creator, right? Um, and I think that Finway, can, like he can kind of get that from Finway. I mean, I think we need to show Finway as also somebody who is a maker, who is also so he. The thing that will really draw him, I think, would be learning. Uh, learning from Aule and he would teach, he would be teaching, you know, not every, he's not the, the one who primarily um, 
learns uh, 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 Sandler doesn't learn everything from that he knows from his dad, uh, but uh, but some of it. So anyway, um, uh, yeah. So yeah. like, um, um, blah, 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 blah. who was it? I just lost it. Suggests that um, Owl, you know, Finway can have a certain amount of um, rapport with Owle then to sort of represent that. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm thinking when they're in Valinor, Elway is like dragging Finway all over the place, right? Elway is, uh, uh, <laughs> he's like, Elway is this, is like the, the enthusiastic tourist in Valinor, right? And he wants to see everything and he drags Finway. And Finway, the thing that Finway is really taken by is like when he goes to the hall, the halls of Elway and meets, and meets Elway. I mean, I right. think that's the, right. you know, that should be the. Um, the big thing. and does he have a fascination with the trees as well, or would that be too obvious? Um, does he have a fascination with the trees as well? Like, yeah, like yeah, hanging out should. the trees, hanging around the trees. Oh yeah, really fast. Absolutely, yeah. And watches yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Nick Elway should be the one, the one of the three ambassadors who's always taking selfies around Valinor, <laughs> right? I mean, like, that's his whole attitude. Like, you know, here's me. I thought, you know, outside the halls of Mandos. You know, this is me here's, hanging here's out. Here's me in Manway. That's right. There's me in Manway. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. I really like the idea of him taking a, a selfie with Mandos. <laughs> with Mandos, yeah. You just see Mandos just kind and of standing there with his out. arms folded. Like there's nobody there when you look at the, at the picture. <laughs> right. It's like there's nobody there. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is interesting. Like the, I, This could be really cool where when these guys come back, they're just complete. you know, Finway goes as sort of the re- very reluctant sort of, well, I, somebody better go along to keep an eye on these other two and yes. you know, make sure that our point of view is represented. And he just comes back and like his, 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 you know, probably also reluctant followers are just astonished at his transformation because he comes back mm-hmm, and says, oh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. there's so much cool stuff there. And, you know, like he just becomes totally entranced by sort of Aule's, Aule's you know, craftsmanship and all the things that they can learn and, and that kind of stuff. Yes. And, yes. Marie makes a good point in saying that Ingwe should be all about meeting the Valar and less about, less about Valinor itself. Valinor. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Ingwe is not all obsessed about the trees, for instance. He just, I mean, right. he is, yeah. he, and, and when he speaks at the council next time, he should be all about speaking about the Valar themselves. Yeah, I mean, Valar, right. About that. I, mean, right. I kind of, right. I, I do, I like the idea that, um, uh, like, Ingwe is, of the three, maybe Ingwe is the one that sort of, that, that like, has transformed the least, in the sense has that he was sort things. of a, yes. Yes. yeah, he was like he a, a change. you know, yeah, he was a Valar zealot to begin with, and then he goes he back. He was a and, fan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Still a Valar Long-time zealot. Longtime fan. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, Finway is the one who really sort of goes from being sort of very reluctant to being you know being sort of like almost a almost like a burning passion to to yes. you know try and compel conversion. You know, he's he's got yeah. the the fire of the converted. Yeah, exactly. And maybe yeah. maybe Elway comes back and sort of. Kind of is sort of like he's like satisfied his wanderlust, and 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 this is why he sort of you know his his people are initially find are enthusiastic, but sort of as they start traveling, they find like he's starting to lose enthusiasm about going back or something. He, he keeps wandering places. He keeps wandering off the. And I'm the thinking his people don't accept path. him as a leader to the same extent that the others accept. Right. The, so mm-hmm. Ingwe comes back, and then and the the Vanyar all accept what he says and they are all, th- right. they are all you know, uniformly taken with his image. The right. Noldor were resistant 
and Finway himself was the leader of the resistant Noldor party. And then he comes back and is, to, is changed. And most Eloquent. of the Noldor yeah. are, are really convinced and, th- and they really accept him as leader. Can we, can we foreshadow Feanor? Um, yeah. And the Noldor, sort of the way in which he inflames them to leave. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's really Oh, good. I like that. Yeah, he, 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 he makes passionate speeches. Elway comes back and is like, so, yeah, oh, you guys should totally... To other... sorry, no, sorry, Trish, go ahead. Say, boy, that, that was... Well, I'm just going to make a quip. If one elf turns to the other and says, boy, that was an inflammatory speech. Right? Is that, is that <laughs> right. what you mean by foreshadowing? Sorry. Yes. It's one of those yeah. days, guys. It's exactly. just one of those days for me. Exactly. So I have a final exam later today, and I'm a little punchy. <laughs> okay. All right. I Don't put that in your final exam. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's true. Well, I could. In the oral, I could say, well, as we were talking about in the film film project this morning. It has nothing to do with the course material, but that's okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, Elway comes back and he's like, oh, guys, you got to see this. This was awesome. But a bunch of the Teleri are going to respond to that being like, oh, yeah, well, here's Elway. Oh, guess what? Elway found like another cool, awesome thing that yeah. he wants us all to go and see. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they're going to be more resistant. They're not going to just accept him as like, ah, yes, you speak for our people kind of thing. Um uh, and the, so that's why there will be there will be more division there. And Chris, I love your suggestion. Chris Graham says Elway should stay adamant that his people should see the light like he's all about the light. Oh, you know, Valinor in the trees and the place. Um, but he and he's only distracted when he finds the light in Melian. Right. So that it's not it's not like he completely abandons everything that he was about. Um, instead, he, like what he's going to find with Melian is contentment, essentially. Um, This is what's going to make Elway, the flighty adventurer, settle down and become Thingol of Doriath, basically, who's going to like spend the rest of his time within the girdle of Melian. Right. Because uh, he's 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 going to find contentment. He's he's going to be content with uh, Melian when he when he when he meets her. Um, Nick, Nick, Nick makes the point that um, fin- Finway's passion should kind of be almost like a shock, like a yes. surprise, like yes. a, almost yeah, a yeah, concerning yeah. thing for the elves. Yeah, 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 exactly. But see, oh yeah, a- another way that we can give the sort of the Noldor perspective a slightly kind of like give it a red flag is it's of the three of them, he is the his his attachment to the idea of going is least disinterested. That is, with Ingwey, it's all about his reverence for the Valar, right? So he's not thinking about himself right. at all. He's thinking about them. With Elway, it's about his delight and love of the place and of the trees and of the light, right? Right. Finway right. is like, we will profit from this, right? Like, we have oh, so much yeah, to learn yeah. from that. We have a lot to gain. Yes. From. We will that's be greatly benefited right. if we go over that, there. That's right. what I'm thinking. Like, his, his yeah. speeches should really... Should totally, really like, totally a foreshadow. Yep. Yeah, foreshadow, you know, fan or uh, you know, sort of similar kinds of language about sort of conquering new frontiers or something like that. So, well, and, and in fact... Feanor later on should be using very similar words. Exactly. When it's when his turn. Feanor's argument to yeah. return to Middle Earth is going to be yeah. like a spin-off of this argument. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, so yep. we can have it be not only Dave, as you're saying, not only parallel to it, right? Which, which it, which it will be, um, but, but even actually related to it. But again, if if we can arrange it so that the speech of Feanor in Tyrion echoes the speech of his father at Quivienen, but demonstrates the like insidious lies of Melkor, right? Undermining mm-hmm. and weaving through that. We don't want to make Finway's speech too bad. We don't want to be act- actively corrupt. You know, we don't want to be like, yeah, let's go to Valinor and like, it, it, we don't want him to sound like a profiteer, right? It shouldn't be that bad, but there should be, 
there should be visible in in his or audible, I suppose, uh, in his speech, in his perspective, this focus, this attention on um, himself, uh, you know, on 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 them, like them thinking about their own profit, their own benefit. Um, mm-hmm. OK, um, we are uh, pretty much out of time, but that's OK. Actually, that's most of what we really needed to talk about. Um I think I asked about the travel last time. I, th- on the whole, having thought through some of the suggestions everybody making, I think I think we should just skip it, most because we're not going to have time. Um, I have to say, I am tempted by the idea, uh, Philip. I think you were talking about how it would, or maybe it was somebody else. I'm forgetting now. Um, that like, basically to sort of show the grandeur and the glory. I mean, it like to for them to see to travel across middle earth. Right. And they see the like awesome, cool, amazing, impressive things about middle earth. And then Valinor is like even more and blows them completely away. Um, that could be a really awesome effect if we do it. But I say we save the exploration of middle earth. We'll have plenty of time to, uh, to get across middle earth and to see it's, it's wonders during the first half of the season. Um, and actually I kind of think it would be even cooler to have that be sort of a slow reveal to um, uh, to the audience as well. You know, I mean, like basically if, if they go straight to Valinor, you know, having this dynamic of like, you know, you've got the different Teleri groups peeling off at various points, you know, Lenway and the, and the Sindar are going to be, you know, they're going to get to like Mirkwood, you know, the great forests that are going to become Mirkwood and Lorien eventually. And they're going to be like, Oh, this is awesome. Let's stay here. This is so great. We love this place. Right. And Elway is still going to be like, guys. Yeah. I mean, this place is cool, but this is nothing. But you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. Right. This is so the other, the rest of the place is so much. And they're just going to be like, what more could we want than this? Right. So, um, uh, and anyway, so, you know, having that kind of progressive, uh, you know, reveal happen after the fact, I think I can, could work really well. Um, one suggestion that I just absolutely loved, um, is, uh, and this was Philip's suggestion on the discussion board, the passage of time, um, to have, when the when the ambassadors return to Quivianen, have an enormous amount of time passed. Centuries have passed. Um, have the departure of the ambassadors have like passed into legend among the elves of Quivianen, yep. and they've all they're all convinced that they're not coming back. So that the 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 we never trusted that hunter guy anyway right. for all of his fair appearance. Party should be very strong, right? Because they've they've been proven right. Right. You know, they were saying all along, don't go with this guy. This is just a ruse. Like, don't be suckers. Right. Uh, You know, I don't care if he has candy. Don't get into the van. Right. That's what they're going to be saying, (laughs) you know, from the beginning. And then these three guys go off and they never come back. And they're like, see, we told them we said so they shouldn't go. And now, see, that was just another ruse of the hunter. And, uh, you know, and the next generation of elves actually grows up with that. Yeah. Story. Yeah. And they words, can, exactly. Yeah. It's almost can, made into a moral story. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, like. A, right. They, yeah. they continue yeah. to be assailed by the dark rider, Nick. Absolutely. They're a cautionary tale. Yes. So right. then when they come tale. back, yeah. we have, we have this, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a thunderbolt. Right. Um, and actually be... I could even see them conflate the two, you know, as legend goes on. Right. The Orame gets conflated with the dark hunter. And, yes, you know, stories could become it's the same guy, basically. Right. You right. Know. Exactly. 
exactly. So yeah, no, that would be that would be a that would be a big part of the thing. I say we end the episode with their return. Or right. do you want to have that be a cliffhanger? Do you want to have do you want to end with elves of Quivienne being like and they never came back, right? So we're over in Valinor, right, with the ambassadors, and there's there's you know there's Elway, you know, snapping selfies and stuff. And then at the very end of the episode, <laughs> we shift back to Quivienne and, and you know, and have Ooh, the, the other elves being like, well, you know, well, I guess, you know, obviously we'll never see them again, uh, you know, and 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 you know, and sort of try to convey yeah. the passage of time. There that is and, an interesting way. And to, have episode three then begin with the sensation of the return of the... I was kind of hoping at the end of episode two, we get him stepping up and going, well, we're back. Yeah, that's the other <laughs> temptation. That's the other temptation. <laughs> it is... Uh, Nick, you're right. It, it, it's a more dramatic ending to have the three of them show up, everyone gasp, tableau, you know, roll and credits. Immediately. You know, basically. It, yeah. I mean, that would credits, be... That, that yeah. is kind of tempting. Um, or, or, oh, yeah. Oh, oh okay, 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 okay. All right, no, I'm falling in love with this idea. So when Orme showed up, right, we need to have a, we need to have a, like a, so like they hear like the hoofbeats of Nahar approaching right. and they see like the glory of Orme, like light shining through the, through the, through the leaves, right. As he approaches oh, and then yeah. he comes in and they see Orme, the hunter on his horse, right. That's how it's happened in episode one. In episode two, at the end of episode two, they can also hear hoofbeats and see the glory. And so everyone's like, it's the hunter, like, except pretty and stuff back. He's going to take more of it. And then it's the ambassadors. It's not Orme. It's the ambassadors. And they're the ones who are shining on horseback. That's kind of cool. Turn. And so they minus, get they get to have horses. Minus Bob, of course. Minus Bobway. No, yeah, minus Bob. Bob poor poor, no poor Bobway. Bobway didn't make it. Yeah. Poor Bobway. Yeah. The red shirt yeah. ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that was that's really great. Uh, that's a that's a good dramatic ending. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It is a good dramatic. Ending. I like that. Now the other point that no another, words, no words. They just they just no words. Like yeah. The they clearing. just they just show and and everyone gasps. Yeah. Yeah. And then we yeah. freeze and and, uh, and roll credits. Cool. Um, so um, the um, <laughs> I I feel like I I can't really do credit to how the the fan fiction legend of Bobway the elf has been developing in the comments box throughout this episode. Um, culminating now with Tony Mead's suggestion that Bobway and his people end up in the North pole working for Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> or Carita, Carita's was, he ends up in the forest and the, you know, sort of the forest sort of, uh, de, de, de uh, what, deteriorates and like less majestic and he starts making cookies in a tree. <laughs> he starts making cookies <laughs> in a tree. Yeah. Keebler elf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it would be very Book of Lost Tales, right? You know, like the myth of explanation. How did, they, where did these stories come from? Why is it that we associate, you know, elves with the North Pole? <sighs> when his brother Zimbabwe goes south. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> That's absolutely terrible. Okay. Anyway. Right. Anyway. All right. Um, all right. All what right, about okay. uh, Bobby uh, the house elf? Bobby the Mur house elf. You like that? <laughs> no. I sorry. I'm that. sorry. Murray Crosser asks a good question. Are we gonna go back to the frame at the end? Um, I don't think so. We don't have. I think we can pick up at the frame at the beginning. It of diminishes the drama of the. Yeah, it does the, diminish the yeah. drama of. This is a good. Yeah. I mean, I've, this is something I think we kind of skate over occasionally. Of like, sort of, how you know, we got to be careful not to just completely abandon the frame. 
Right, but at the same right. time, we don't have to be slaves to it at the beginning and end of absolutely. Yeah, every we don't episode. have to. Yeah, we don't have to bookend every episode. Yeah, with it even, so. yeah good point. Good I mean, point. I do think if we if we don't have it at the end of this episode, we should probably start with it. Next yes. Episode, yeah, right? we should. Mm-hmm. We should come back to it. We should come back to it. Okay. Um, and we, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that does, that does, that does make sense. Um, maybe we start the frame of the next one with Kelborn coming into the room, like where they were talking, right? So, like at this particularly dramatic moment, Kelborn comes in, and she's like, yeah. "Oh, hi, honey. You know, this is a perfect chance for, uh, uh, you know, for you to pipe in on this, as he was there." Um, <laughs> oh, what happened to Bob Kelborn? <laughs> or, or she, or she starts telling the story, and he'll say. I will. T- I'll tell the story. I'm telling the story. <laughs> right. Allow me, honey. No, really, really. I. I, I, I... Um, okay. One last point that I want to make, Philip. Uh, uh, the point that Philip brought up, but we're not going to have time to talk about it today. Philip had said, you know, we should we should continue to touch base. We don't want to just leave uh, Myron behind completely. Like, if we want to, um, uh, and I, I do like the idea of having one scene of the dark hunter coming in and we actually like follow the dark hunter back and it, we get the reveal that it's Sauron, you know, that it's Myron rather. And, uh, just cause we, we should, if we're going to have, we're going to want to bring orcs sooner rather than later. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're, you know, we're going to need to, um, we're going to need to show that happening. We, yeah. we, we don't want to just yeah. do like a, a flashback later on, you know, come in in episode five and be like, so what has Myron been up to during the last five episodes? You know, it would, when last we saw Myron. Exactly. Yes. It, it, it would be, it would be cool to get, but I, but I, I'm not thinking episode two for that. I, I think, I think we do that in episode three. We could even start that, start episode three with that. But anyway, let's think about that in the context of we episode We could also three. have orc, we could also have orc spies spying on the debate. True. And then somehow happen. Yeah, I was going to raise that question for next time, which reminds me, questions for next time is exactly questions what I should time. what I should say. Okay, here's the thing. So, episode three is going to be the great council, the great debate about whether we leave Quivianon or not. Okay, so uh, first uh, we need to uh, uh, talk about the frame hook. Um, we're g- starting to get into the heart of the matter with Arwen here. You know, the do we go or do we stay thing. Um, so we need to th- we, and we've done some thinking about that today, but you know, we need to think a little bit more about how that works and with Arwen and Kelborn or with uh, Kelborn and Galadriel coming in. Um, uh, so thinking about the debate, we need to flesh out both sides of this. What are the primary arguments for leaving? Who makes them? And how many arguments are there? Like how many different kinds of arguments do we get? What are the prim- primary arguments for staying? Who makes those? And how many arguments you know are there? How many different angles are we going to take on that? Um, what kind of per- you know? We, and we don't just want abstract arguments, right? We're uh, you know uh, we're, we're going to want rivals, personal animosities. We're going to want mudslinging, right? We're we're, we're going to want uh, 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 people getting up and yelling at each other. Um, so, what personal animosities develop and why? And here we need to be thinking big picture, right? What are some what are some uh, uh, things that we're going to want to set up for later on? How do we how do we how do we do this? How many spokespeople for the Avari are we going to get and who are they going to be? And what are we going to do with that um, since they're pretty much going to disappear? Right. So how do we handle the Avari? Um, um, are we going to have any intervention of the Valar or like <clears throat> so do the Valar stay out of it? Does Orme come? Does uh, he participate? I was going to say. 
I, I think uh, Orome and Olmo should be should have at least have like cat's paws. Right. Exactly. Do we have spies? Um, of course, I, I, I'm remembering that uh, that the great council that the men have when the men first come over the mountains. Uh, remember, and then Morgoth sends a spy among them in the form of one of the other leaders of men who was absent. Right. And he comes and he makes arguments in his place. I'm not saying we have to do something exactly like that, that like we actually have a. Uh, we actually have a, a, a you know a spy um, in disguise there like you know poor I don't know which one like uh, Lenway or hey maybe Kierden is off like you know gagged and tied up somewhere and somebody comes in Kierden's shape I, I'm not saying we do that necessarily um, but is there going to be any kind of Bobway <laughs> oh, you, you made it back. <laughs> they think it's Bob, but really it is a cruel sham. It is. It is actually an evil spirit in the form of Bob Way. Yes, exactly. Oh, how insidious. Um. So, uh, yeah, we could be responsible for starting the cult of Bob Way. I just want to just point this out. Yeah. This is how yeah. this stuff this is started, your, you know. This is your fault, Trish. In fact, it is absolutely <laughs> your fault. Uh, hey, okay. I need to leave a legacy of some kind. <laughs> That's my legacy. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, uh, uh, um, right. Okay. So, so. So that's my so my question is again any intervention by the Valar or by the enemies in the council you know how do we want to handle that and then finally um, is anything going to happen in this episode other than people talking is this are are, are we going to be able to do the entire episode of, and is it just is going to be like one long debate I mean is this going to be like the Council of Elrond of the film film project or of season two anyway um, where we're just going to have them sitting around a table or standing around a table and yelling at each other the whole episode. Uh, do we want to break that up? Do we want to interject any other kind of non-people standing around talking action? Um, how about they? How about they quell a rebellion from some, uh, some? I mean, yeah. Do we actually go so far as 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 rebellion? Do we do we move from words to deeds? Is it not really a debate at all, but more of you know that more of that kind of a drama? Um, uh, you know, do they actually call a council or do they just, you know, the ambassadors come back and say, hey, let's go. And some of them go and some of them don't. We get, you know, uh, anyway, there, 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 there are do different they, ways we could play it. So they sit the silently questions. in commune in their minds. Right, exactly. Do they, yeah, that, no, talk about like gripping cinema, right? Like, <laughs> they all sit around oh, staring yeah. at each other pointedly and making telepathic remarks to each other. Yeah. Is, uh, is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that 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 would make good good viewing. Chris talks about uh, I I maybe we might want to add another question because Chris you know talks about again we already touched on this we need to cut away and show what Melkor and Myron are doing at some point. Yeah. I guess the question would be you know how could we do that? Um, you know like one idea I have is either toward the end of episode three or you know somewhere like when they go to leave or whatever somebody comes and reports to, you know Myron comes to Melkor and says Morgoth and says you know. Some have gone to Valor. I mean, some conversation to give him an update on what's happening. I, Something like that. I, I, uh, I really want to. I, I, I have. This is an interesting question. Oh, I, like, Morgoth is, is locked up. That's right. What am I saying? Not Morgoth. It would be somebody coming to Myron and telling him. And then we get yeah. the Gothmog thing. What is the? Yeah. What's right. the enemy's take on this thing? Like, do they want them right. to go? Right. Or do they want them to stay? Or right. Yeah, that's. And right. also frame. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. My- Myron and Gothmug are an Ang band. Nick Poalto wants to Vildo, Prince of Cats, to be one of the captains in on this discussion. I, I think that. <laughs> yeah, like Gothmog. The one thing that Gothmog and Myron can agree on is they both find Tavildo really irritating. You know? Really irritating. Yeah, he has a white cat that he holds in strokes all the time that he talks. Right? <laughs> he used to be Morgoth's white cat that he held and stroked all the time. That's what gave him airs, right? And so when Morgoth That's is right. gone, like the stupid cat is wanting to pitch into this discussion. So yeah, uh, yeah, that, that, it it could be like That's a recurring right. tagline, right? You know, Gothmog. Every time Gothmog and, and Myron are arguing and fighting, there's w- at least one point in the discussion where they both turn and say, shut up, Tavildo. Right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's it. Right? Or um, a lot of eye-rolling, if Tavildo is saying anything. Right, there are right. lots of eye-rolling and looking right. at each other. <laughs> now, Marie does point out that Tavildo would make a good spy. Uh, anyway, so we'll think, about that. we'll think about that yeah. for next time. All of these things, the question yeah. of what's going on with the enemies, this I would put under the general heading of my question, is there going to be any action besides talk? You know, oh, okay, good. If we yeah, wanna, yeah, yeah. If we want to yeah. vary things with more stuff going on. And, and I so, really look forward to people's ideas about that, because yes. I think that's a good... Yes. Discussion point. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Excellent. Very good. Um, that, that should be enough to go on for next time. Uh, thanks everybody, uh, for joining our super serious and immensely disciplined discussion here today. Um, I think that we've really I'm fired. We've... I'm going to get fired. going to go, you are too flippant. This is serious information. This is serious. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been, no, it's been very, um, uh, I think uh, a wonderful educational experience for everybody involved. I know I'm now expecting to see Bob way lives spray painted on the subway walls and everything. That's uh, mm-hmm. totally, it's totally going to happen now. Um, oh, Bob way. Yeah. People are going to actually, like Dave said, people are actually going to go, well, wait a minute. What about Bob way? You know, after a few years it'd be like, wait, there's Bob way. What's with Bob way? Where's Bob way? Yeah. <laughs> make que- make Queen Vienna great again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be an awesome T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, Dave, I remember when when you know you and I uh, and, and some of the film film people or some of the the uh, seminar people were having discussions about like uh, you know Silmarillion T-shirts that we could make without infringing trade. You know, that would be very unlikely to be considered infringement of trademark. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, that would that would actually be a really good one. Make Quivian and Green yeah. again. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Okay, all right. And it would um, be actually, actually, it would be one of those T-shirts where when you wear it, it's like it's so esoteric that only a few people you come across in your life would even recognize it. Absolutely. It, it would be, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it would be yep. so cool. The ultimate right. hipster t-shirt. Right. Yeah. Totally. Tony totally. Mead says that, uh, uh, somebody has to look up what the root root Bob would mean in Quenya. Uh, so oh. would actually have a translation for Bob way. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 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 Robert, uh, Brown, Marie, get on that. Okay. We need it's not Elmo. It's, it's not. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're not going to have that. Um, Okay. Uh, so yeah, a quick announcement. Uh, Marie wanted me to announce that uh, uh, if you're interested in actually discussing the script, so our script writers are starting much sooner this season than they did last season because that whole idea didn't even come about till halfway through season one. Um, so they're they're staying ahead of the game this year. Um, so the discussion of the actual script outline 
uh, writing for episode one is happening actually tomorrow, Saturday, July 30th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If you go to the discussion boards, you can see the, uh, the, the announcement, the, the links for that. Um, it's the, uh, the thread is called Kickoff Script Discussion for Season 2. Uh, is the discussion thread on the discussion board where you can find the details for that. So episode one uh, uh, script tomorrow evening um for those of you who are here live for those of you who are hearing the recording it will have already happened but just keep in mind there will be opportunities for future scripts so uh uh you can uh, you can you, you can jump on board to, to jump in and join us there all right thanks very much everybody uh uh thank you for a fun and centered episode <laughs> Thanks for listening. And discipline. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for listening, and Godspeed.